exposing free speech to free minds. You're listening to The David Knight Show. As the clock strikes 13, it's Wednesday, the 29th of December, year of our Lord, 2021, day 657 of the emergency. Today we're going to do some Ask Me Anything questions. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what is happening in the news and really where our battle lies in the next year. Uh, We not only have a battle to keep ourselves for our lives and uh, our health and our liberty, But there's also a very important battle that is coming after us uh, through the proud groomer teachers and many others. And we'll take a look at the politics behind this. Of course, it is a spiritual war, but there's also a lot of politics, geopolitics in it. And then we're going to take a look at uh, some further comments about uh, why Trump has become such a vaccine salesman. Very interesting juxtaposition between Candace Owens and Dr. David Martin. I think you're going to enjoy the different comments. We'll be right back. Stay with us. I want to start with headline news. As Zero Hedge points out, Rod Dreher who is the author of Live Not By Lies. Uh, and, of course, he took that title from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Uh, he's a Christian. He's a conservative. He writes for the American Conservative. And um, one of the things that he's talking about, it's a very disturbing trend. A lot of people have mentioned this, but he's the one who really focuses, I think, on the key question and the motivation of what is happening. Now, this is on TikTok. They have had billions, actually uh, 26 billion times, these uh, proud groomers, they call themselves, uh, groomer teachers. Uh, People are concerned, especially parents, are concerned that children are being brainwashed by these TikTok videos talking about cool trans surgery. Uh, Teachers, young teachers typically, very defiant about how they are going to push kids into, uh, you know, LGBT lifestyle. And uh, and again, when you're talking about doing this to kids, this is not about informed consent. This is not about freedom. Uh, you should not be allowed to uh, sexually groom kids. And that's what we're talking about here. If you can tell them that they can make a decision to permanently alter their body as a minor, in many cases before they even reach puberty, then what you are implying is that they also can do something that perhaps is less permanent, which is to consent to have sex. I mean, this is about establishing, treating minors like adults, and then, of course, treating the adult parents as if they were children. It is an upside-down world. It is a satanic agenda, frankly. As Rod Dreher says, it is a disturbing trend of school teachers openly bragging on popular social media platforms about indoctrinating young children in their classes with transgender and sexual rights instruction. I I talked about the whistleblower video of a couple of different teachers who were talking about that in a California Classroom Teachers Association. And and they were bragging about how they would uh, identify people, they would troll 
not troll these kids, but they would essentially spy on them and identify prospects that they think would be open to this. Um, by watching when they were doing the Zoom classes, they would disguise what this was all about by changing the names of the classes and the associations. Uh, it was um, uh, very manipulative. And the same type of thing that you're seeing from Epstein and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. Young school teachers who brag on TikTok about telling little kids in their class all about transgenderism and gender theory, he writes. Campaigners have accused TikTok of helping children to be brainwashed by hosting viral social media videos that promote changing sex as cool. Material posted by transgender influencers on the social networking device which, in which they provide advice on transitioning, on accessing hormone therapies, has been seen by millions of young viewers. Actually, 26 billion times has been viewed. Some parents are concerned the involvement of TikTok, which in the UK is the most downloaded app last year, they're concerned that it is fueling a social contagion of pressure on impressionable youngsters and the rise of teenagers who are identifying as trans. And um, uh, Rod Dreher sarcastically describes them as proud groomer teachers. Yeah, they're baby groomers not baby boomers. And uh, one of them came back and said, uh, what a pathetic attempt to change the conversation. So straight stories for kids are fine, but gender queer ones is grooming? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They can't make those kinds of decisions. Uh, LOL, your suspension will last longer than your argument. See, you will be purged if you push back against this. This tells you uh, who is in charge? Who are you not allowed to criticize? This is the agenda right now, the most perverted thing that they have been able to come up with. But there are other things that they can and will add soon. But this is the peak of uh, their current perversion. And so it has become the central focus of the Democrats, of Joe Biden, of social media. But there's something else involved here. Uh, as Rod Dreher points out in his commentary, he says, you know, TikTok signed a partnership earlier this year with Stonewall, the controversial lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender rights charity, to promote this material. And then this is the punchline, folks. Rod Dreher points out TikTok is owned by the Chinese government, which this year began restricting LGBT social media material for its own people. I repeat that. They're owned, yeah, indirectly, but they're owned by the Chinese government. We know how that works in China. And China has become, has, has initiated a campaign to fight sissy men and so forth, is the way they call it. So they don't want it in their country. They want it in our country. This is weaponized. And it's not just weaponized in terms of humans and politics. It is weaponized spiritually against us. Uh, so um, as that is happening, Russia, in the form of RT, also mocks the American snowflakes and the left and their Christmas diversity guide. Uh, they show parents who are, uh, you know, uh, fully a part of this. They've got T-shirts that say parent one, parent two, right? Can't be mother or father. And then they have a third one in there, parent number three. And the kids are like, what's going on with that? And they go through all of the different, um, you know, diversity 
uh, intersectionality nonsense uh, at RT. Uh, so the Russians are laughing at us. The uh, Chinese are subtly trying to undermine our society and our kids. Meanwhile, Matt Tiabi says the Democrats' educational lunacies will bring back Trump. Whoa, let's not do that. <laughs> uh, let's have some open elections. Uh, anyway, uh, Chuck Todd, as I've reported uh, earlier this week, I meet the press on Sunday. He had uh, Hannah Jones, you know, Nicole Hannah Jones, the one who came up with this historical rewrite, the fiction, 1619 Project, uh, to push racism, hatred, and division. Uh, and that's all that is about. It, it's not historical. It's just, a, uh, it's just a propaganda piece from a Marxist. And so in talking about politics, Chuck Todd, I'll meet the press, uh, asked her, he said, uh, how influential should parents be about curriculum? Because he just talked to um, the uh, University of Virginia Center for Politics director, Larry Sabato, about the Virginia elections. He said, given the Democrats lost Virginia after candidate Terry McAuliffe said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what to teach. Todd asked her, well, how do we do this? Her first answer was to chide Todd for not remembering that Virginia was lost, not because of whatever unimportant thing he had just said, but because of, quote, a right-wing propaganda campaign that told white parents to fight against their children being indoctrinated, unquote. And she went on to say, and this is the part that I mentioned earlier this week, I don't really understand this idea that parents should decide what's being taught, she said. And that blindness is why they're going to lose even bigger all the time. Uh, they're anti-family and uh, they're anti-child. She says, I'm not a professional educator. I don't have a degree in social studies or science. Uh, well, uh, she doesn't have any understanding of history either, but um, she is a uh, socialist manipulator. She is a social engineer. And on Christmas Day, as we're talking about family issues, 538 which is um, ABC News is, um, um, they look at election predictions. And uh, even though they're talking about election predictions, on Christmas Day, they asked on social media, give us your abortion studies. Uh, not studies, stories. <laughs> uh, and um, this is the way they put it. If you've had an abortion and are willing to share your experience with us, please fill out the form below. And we can follow up to hear more. We're particularly interested in hearing from people who have had abortions over the past 10 years. But we'd love to hear your story, even if you had an abortion less recently. Uh, so we know that this can be a sensitive topic, so none of your personal information will be published without your consent. So please, on Christmas Day, they point out, please tell us your abortion story. Within minutes, uh, this article from uh, The New American, within minutes, they point out, Responses began pouring in. One Twitter user who has the handle Frank Lloyd Wrong <laughs> uh, said, uh, festive. <laughs> nice, nice for Christmas. Another person a couple minutes later said, wow, really, on Christmas? Uh, next person says, usually they save this for Mother's Day. But then the best one was a user who said, uh, okay, Herod. <laughs> And you know what he's talking about. Herod, as part of the incarnation story of Christ, Herod goes in and uh, kills all of the male children in Bethlehem uh, of under two years old to try to uh, 
uh, kill the competing king that the Magi had come to worship. As they point out in New American, it is difficult to miss the similarities between that horrific event and the wholesale slaughter of the unborn since Roe v. Wade. That 538 would choose Christmas Day to tweet their promotion of that wholesale slaughter is no accident, even if they did not intend it. Uh, One person, uh, again, a Twitter user says, yes, I, I talked my ex into not aborting our child. She walked away six months later and I kept the baby and raised her. Uh, So they started getting not abortion stories, but stories about life on Christmas Day. Another one said, the cruelty of knowing there are family members you will never know that can never be a part of your life because of the inconvenience, even after their parents are gone, that person could be here. But then another individual, identified as uh, Ben Zeisloff on Twitter, tweeted a picture of a beautiful baby boy with a caption, because Christians showed up at a Planned Parenthood Philadelphia one cold Saturday in February 2020. This young man had a wonderful Christmas today with his family. And there are many others like him, both in Philadelphia and across the country. One more tweet. My mother was forced to have an abortion at age 15. It left lasting physical and emotional damage. Because of it, I was born over 10 weeks early and nearly didn't survive. My brother was also nearly born that early. She was told she was unable to have more children after that. Uh, The thread goes on and on with tweet after tweet of people recounting personal stories of either not being aborted themselves, even when everyone said that abortion was the only right choice, or not having an abortion and telling of their children and the lives that they lead. And again, uh, that is on The New American. I'll never forget uh, one of our best friends uh, uh, who is uh, now passed on. She died of cancer. Uh, but um, she had, uh, she was pregnant and she had the um, amniocentesis test and, and uh, uh, it indicated Down syndrome. And so the doctors suggested that she abort both of the babies and she declined to abort either of them, not knowing if they had it. Sometimes you get a false positive with any kind of test, not knowing if they had Down syndrome or if they both had it. And uh, she had uh, one boy who did not and a twin girl who did. Uh, But they never had any regrets. But there was um, her sister, who, very liberal. I mean, they were from uh, Delaware, Biden country initially. But, yeah, she moved. uh, Our friend uh, moved south there. Her um, sister uh, was not a Christian uh, and uh, was very, very angry with her, could not understand why she would not have that abortion, and refused to talk to her the rest of her life because of that. And she had a very difficult time with that girl. It was was very challenging, but both parents would never have had it any other way. Uh, She was a beautiful child. If you know Down's uh, syndrome children, Uh, they can be some of the most beautiful kids you'll ever see. Now, you have to do a lot of things to try to prepare them uh, to try to function on their own after you're gone, and that's always a concern for the parents. Uh, But that child was uh, so much joy for her. Amazing. 25 cops in a single county arrested in 2021 on charges from child rape to bestiality. 
This is the society that we live in. Now, the cops are being singled out, and I'm glad that they arrested them, that they didn't cover it up. I mean, they might want to do a little bit better job of screening employees, you think? I mean, who do they have? <laughs> screening employees, doing psychological tests or whatever is necessary. Anything like this can happen, though, in any institution. And the test is, do you get rid of them? You know, that's what Frank Serpico said. There's not a, any human institution that can't be infiltrated with bad people. Uh, so, you know, you, uh, the test is, do you become, do you keep them there and defend them and then corrupt the entire institution? Or do you purge them out? In this particular case, arrest them. Now, this happened in San Antonio. <laughs> that's another reason to move out of here, I guess. Uh, the rest of cops are up 20% since last year. Uh, absolutely amazing. But it is, overall, it is a picture of our society, isn't it? When you have, how many cops was it again? 25? Yeah, 25 cops uh, over the last year arrested in that single county for these types of crimes. At the same time, you have teachers bragging about grooming kids into the uh, gender fluidity, into mutilating themselves and the rest of this stuff. Uh, just just think for a moment how sick our society is. Do you think perhaps it has something to do with the types of things that we are seeing put on us? I think it is a judgment from God, and justly so. And then finally, this story. Paralyzed man, I'm sure you saw this, um, gets a brain implant, and he composes the first ever tweet with his mind. Hello, world. He's a, this is a man in Australia, paralyzed. Um, he has ALS. And getting this brain implant, he was able to communicate. Uh, and I could think of things that would be better than tweeting uh, if, for your first communication. But it shows, I think, the two-edged sword of technology. Because on the one hand, you've opened up this guy's ability to be able to communicate with people. Totally paralyzed, can't speak even. And it allows him to communicate. However, the other aspect of this, which they don't focus on in these articles, are looking at the technology and saying, gee whiz, this is super swell. The other aspect of this is that it is actually reading his mind. Technology is a two-edged sword. And if you don't have a moral compass and you don't have a moral foundation, uh, it can be a very, very dangerous weapon. We'll be right back. This is The David Knight Show. Let's take a quick look at the New World Orders. We have China panic hoarding half of the world's grain supply amid threats of collapse. You remember yesterday I talked about uh, the sensational article about Nostradamus's predictions. The first one was, you know, all the, all the bread is gone, all the grain is gone, and people are eating each other, that type of thing. Well, uh, I don't think it's that dire yet, and we don't necessarily have to worry 
about uh, Chinese being able to uh, see what is happening in the future really any better than Nostradamus. But they do manipulate things. And so you have to ask, why are they doing this? And doing it to such an extent. Uh, in August of 2019, Zero Hedge said, we asked this question. Does China believe that we're on the verge of a major global crisis? Remember, this is August of 2019, uh, just a few months before the, uh, uh, the coronavirus pandemic was unleashed on everybody, right? Uh, so they started hoarding stuff. They, they made a lot of uh, uh, moves that would indicate that they knew what was happening <laughs> or what they were going to do. Uh, the Chinese Communist government has always been very big into planning, and it appears that they've decided that now is the time to hoard food, gold, and other commodities, and also to start buying up uh, medical uh, masks and other things like that so they could sell it back to us at an inflated price and maybe you know mix in some contaminants with it. Uh, so... Um, yeah, they don't, but they don't know everything in terms of uh, predicting the future. I mean, just take a look at their real estate bubble. But nevertheless, the Depart Department of Agriculture in the U.S. shows that China has approximately 69 of the world's corn reserves in the first half of the crop year 2022. They have bought up already, and we're talking about buying up the futures, right? So they bought up futures for what's going to be sold in 2022. So they bought 69% of the corn or maize reserves uh, for the first half of 2022, 60% of all the rice, and 51% of wheat. The one thing Beijing cannot have is discontent among its citizens triggered by food shortages or by soaring prices. So this could be a way for them to uh, uh, protect themselves. But they're also encouraging uh, the Chinese citizens to stockpile this themselves so they don't have to keep it on their books, right? Uh, that's why central planners spent $98 billion importing food in 2020, up 4.6 times from 10 years earlier. Over the past five years, China's soybean, maize, and wheat imports soared from a factor of two to a factor of 12 times on aggressive purchases from the U.S., Brazil, and other supplier nations. Imports of beef, pork, dairy, fruit jumped two to five-fold. And uh, China, as part of the, I guess perhaps this is to uh, try to impress people for the Olympic Games, to make a point, or maybe they are putting out some predictive programming for the next wave of tyranny. They are going to jail anybody who has seen driving. Uh, they've had uh, 162 new COVID cases, and now they have just outlawed driving. Unless, of course, you are an essential traveler, meaning that you are doing something for a medical reason. Other than that, you will not drive. I don't know how people are going to get uh, food. Can, can they still walk? I don't know. Despite no new cases, of the new Omicron variant being reported, the Communist Party said vehicles would only be allowed on the roads if they were assisting with disease control work. Again, when we see this type of thing coming out of China, we should be very concerned because of how successful they were selling this pandemic narrative, the false pandemic narrative. And as I've said many times, uh, regardless of whether uh, this thing was engineered, whether it was released, intentionally or accidentally, 
when you look at the types of propaganda that was coming out of China, the fact that they were, they were sending over social media pictures of people collapsing, young people collapsing in the street, and the fact that they had more than 100,000 bots that were subsequently kicked off of social media, pressuring Italy to imitate their draconian measures. Uh, they, all of these measures were sold by China. And so now they're doing this to cars, and you should be very concerned about that. In the same way that they are subtly going to war. It is a, a mind game that they're playing with people. Same thing that they're doing on TikTok with these, uh, these baby groomers, these proud uh, transgender um, pushers uh, that, are, that are teachers and so forth. China is also mocking Joe Biden because of his comments where he said there is no federal solution. They said, did the election promises mean anything? Well, I, I think everybody has got a different take on this than I do. You know, Breitbart has one take on it. Uh, the New American has another take on it. Uh, they believe that um, this is uh, uh, maybe Joe just uh, doesn't even know what he's talking about. You know, when he says that there's no federal solution, the New American wraps up their article after they talk about uh, what was said back and forth and the dialogues that he had with these Republican governors who, uh, you know, took him to task for the mandates. Okay, so uh, if you are, you say there's no federal solution, then fine. We don't want to have mandates in our state and that type of thing. It's not about that. That's not going to go away. And this is also not what it's about. The New American article concludes and says, the reality is that Biden's remarks cannot be seen as stemming from a change of heart that precedes a change of policy. Well, that part is true. Uh, he's not going to change the policy. These people say whatever they wish depending on who they're talking to. But he's not going to change these policies. Uh, they said in all likelihood, he simply forgot where he was, who he was with, and what he was saying. No, this is not senility. This is a recognition that, as he said, this all gets solved at the state level. When he said, you, the state governors, are where the rubber meets the road, as I said yesterday. It's where the mandate meets the man. These people are the ones to implement this. It needs to be done that way for them. And that's what they always rehearsed with Dark Winter on. Remember, Dark Winter two months before 9-11. One week after 9-11, the anthrax attack stage. Then two months later, the Model State Health Emergency Powers Act, they sent out model legislation to all the different states for the governors, for the public health directors to do exactly what they did last year. Why? Because there's the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, and there's going to be all kinds of legal charges. And so it was very easy for them to roll this out through the governors, through the state public health directors. And that was the purpose of that. Uh, Trump gave the money to these. He gave them an emergency order, which gave them the that unleashed their Model State Health Emergency Powers Act. And then he gave them massive amounts of money to incentivize that. He incentivized it for the governors. He incentivized it for the hospitals. And so I think this is what Biden is coming to the realization that his, uh, I'm going to do it all myself. I'm going to do it with, a, with central control and dictates and executive orders. He's getting a lot of pushback. And I think he realizes, especially when he's talking to Republican governors like Asa Hutchinson, who is completely on board with the vaccine mandates and the rest of this stuff, 
He's a Republican, but he's on board with this as many other Republicans are. And he knows that they will do what he wants if he gives them the money. He just has to make sure that he includes them in. I mean, they're, don't you know that this is the type of thing where they're saying, uh, yeah, we can get this done, but you're going to have to uh, include us in this whole process. And that's the dangerous thing. That's why I said I, I think that his approach, trying to go it alone, trying to do it as a dictator, is not as dangerous as a very subtle approach where there's a backroom uh, deal cut and he's got these governors partnering with him. That's what Trump did. And so I don't look at this as uh, him being confused or throwing in the towel or anything else. I see this as him getting a little bit more savvy and much more dangerous by doing this in the way that they had always planned to do it and the way that Trump did it. Uh, reality is impinging on the Democrats' carefully constructed COVID tyranny, says American Thinker. You can find this on Zero Hedge. On Monday, after a COVID year more deadly and dispiriting than 2020, Biden admitted that the federal government cannot fix things. Support the states, he said, his, his whole, sole role as president was to support the states because each state was best equipped to handle COVID as it presented within that state. So again, he is going to make them allies instead of fighting with them. At the same time, we have uh, Dr. Leanna Wen, the former president of Planned Parenthood, who is one of the most anti-choice people you'll ever see in your life. She's pro-death, and uh, she's pushing vaccines, everything to get the vaccine done. We can't ease up on these restrictions because we've got to get all these people vaccinated, you know, punish them force them to do this. And um, so she's now coming out and reversing the idea that uh, cloth masks do anything. Of course, we know that they're useless. And so she's now telling the truth about that. Uh, the N95 masks are useless as well uh, because it's an airborne virus. If it is an airborne virus, as you're going to hear her say, then the N95 isn't going to help. Because it's a, the virus is, too, a virus is too small to be stopped by that. But, of course, they will say, well, it stops your spittle particles. But as I've pointed out many, many times, 2002 in Australia, they had a study. They said it doesn't last more than 20 minutes because by that time your mask is saturated. And now you're, you're pushing out smaller particles that are going to go further, stay airborne longer. And they threatened in New South Wales a $100,000 fine against anybody who sold N95 masks as protection against SARS back in 2002. Now, this is what uh, Leanna Wen is saying about cloth masks. Cloth masks are not appropriate for this pandemic. It was, it's not appropriate for Omicron. It was not appropriate for Delta, Alpha, or any of the previous variants Alpha. either because we're dealing with something that's airborne. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't even appropriate for Alpha. <laughs> Uh, when do we get to Omega? That's what I want to. Um, I want to play for you what a real doctor says about what is actually happening here. This is Dr. Scott Jensen. He's also a state legislator. He's also running for governor. And uh, he recorded this, put this out on uh, Twitter. Uh, he just had a medical call with us, and he's talking about some of the things that he's seen this uh, last week as our medical system is has been completely trashed 
by these dictates, by these orders, by this so-called pandemic. Here's Dr. Scott Jensen. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Jensen. What have we done? I just finished a house call on a patient who's in his mid-80s. He did everything he was supposed to do. He got vaccinated with two shots in the spring of the year. He got his booster in the fall of the year. I saw him in the office about three, four weeks ago, and his antibodies for the spike protein were greater than 800. He's got COVID now. His wife had COVID last week. He's not doing so well. And I didn't feel comfortable having him come in the office. And the emergency rooms are overwhelmed. So it's easier for me to go to him. So we put him on some medications and we'll watch him closely. Yesterday I did a house call on a 50-year-old woman who was furious with the fact that the doctors and staff that she would have expected to help her weren't there for her. So it was easier for me to go to her house because she wanted to stay out of the ER. I have had legislators and nurses calling me for the last 72 hours, begging me to get involved with hospitals and their policies around the state of Minnesota. Many times patients have felt imprisoned in a hospital. Families have felt like they couldn't get their loved ones out of the hospital. And they were frantic because in the hospital, the, lim- the uh, if you will, the menu of options for patients was so limited. Patients are just frantic. Doctors have not been there for them. The patient-doctor relationship has not stood the test of time during this COVID pandemic. Last night, I dealt with a patient who, whose 23-year-old nephew hung himself a few weeks ago. And two of that 23-year-old nephew's buddies had killed themselves in the preceding two months. We're seeing the CDC narrative fall apart. We're seeing the, we're seeing the isolation period reduced to five days instead of 10. Based on what science? We're seeing NFL players going back and playing if they're not symptomatic. We're seeing if you're exposed to someone, you don't have to not go to work if you're asymptomatic on the fifth day, but you should wear a mask for another five days. Isn't it time just to step back and say, gee whiz, what have we done? Were we measured and thoughtful? Did we really let doctors and patients do the best they could? Didn't we go just a little hell-bent crazy, allowing the bureaucrats to just pick and shoes and throw mud on the wall to see what would stick. This patient I just got done seeing has powerful antibody, powerful antibodies. And yet, less than two months after he got his booster, he's got COVID. We've got to get back to the basics, and that's a patient-doctor relationship, and we've got to be there to serve our patients. What have we done? Well, that's one of the good guys right there. He's running for governor of Minnesota. They would be really blessed to have him. This is a good guy. He's making house calls with all this stuff. And, and this is a guy, Dr. Scott Jensen, who from the very beginning of this has told the truth regardless of what it cost him. And he's been audited by the medical boards for nothing over and over again, harassing him, trying to take his license. He continues as a doctor. He continues as a state legislator. He's trying to get this thing fixed. He cares about people. This is not simply about the money for him. I mean, you know, if we can't get good people like that in at the state level, uh, the best we can do, I think, is um, to have maybe he will win. I don't know. But certainly we need to have people like that in our communities and we need to really value them. The CDC has now substantially revised the Omicron cases. It was just yesterday that I was talking about, uh, played the clip of Fauci saying, 
oh, yeah, we got uh, 73% of the people. I said, this is a total lie. <coughs> so he has absolutely no idea what percentage. They aren't. How could you say it's 73% of the people if you're not testing 100% of the people? And they're not doing genetic sequencing on 100% of the people. Nowhere close to that. They didn't do it on Delta either. And uh, even when you look at, quote-unquote, alpha, uh, the PCR test, totally bogus. They had 50-some-odd tests, as the FDA pointed out. And they said, well, we can't compare the accuracy of these tests to each other because they're all testing for something different. We gave them a genetic code sequence. Some of them synthesized it. Some of them had a partial. Some of them had a whole sequence. But we don't have anything isolated, and so we got different standards. Every one of the tests is looking for something different. And then they're multiplying it by 1.1 trillion times. It's absolute total fraud. So just a couple of days after Fauci says with absolute certainty that 73% of the cases, COVID cases, are Omicron, now they have just dropped it to 59%. So um, <laughs> revise it down by 22 and a half points. Uh, no problem, right? And totally believable. None of this stuff is true. COVID outbreak spreads to 89 cruise ships. You know, we have, as I pointed out yesterday, two Navy ships now. One of them, and both of them, 100% vaccinated. One of them, 25% of the sailors have tested positive. The other one, 33%. Mild symptoms or no symptoms at all. And yet, they have kept the ships in port. Oh, yeah, we can't uh, do anything. like That could be dangerous if we went out in the water with uh, COVID or something. Uh, absolute insanity. They want to talk about readiness. They're not ready to do anything. And, of course, on the cruise ships, the same type of thing. You don't get on there unless you've got a vaccine passport. All kinds of protocols these people told us. Not a single thing. Not the vaccines, not the protocols. None of that does anything whatsoever. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Stay with us. <music> Listening to the David Knight Show. All right, let's talk a little bit about the uh, toxic meds, uh, and that, of course, includes the uh, Trump shots. And I want to go back yet again because this is very important for people to understand who is on your side. We're in a war, right? This war began with economic sanctions, as all modern wars do. It's the equivalent of a siege. 
Those economic sanctions were imposed by the Trump administration on anybody that they deemed to be non-essential. And, of course, where the rubber met the road was with the governors, and it was essential to have their cooperation, and that was bought. And no matter how bad these Democrat governors or Republican governors were, none of that money was pulled back. And let me tell you, when the government sends you money, they do it because they want you to do something. When the federal government sends you money, it is to bribe you to do what they want to do. And if you don't do what they want to do, they will pull it back. Republicans know that game. Democrats certainly know that game. Trump knows that game. And so what, uh, when he continued to fund all of this, that was implied approval. It was direct approval. And so the debate continues to go back and forth. Now, Vaccine Impact put up a video, and I'm going to play you just a small excerpt from it. It's up on their Rumble channel and uh, other places. And they said there's two different schools of thought with the conservatives, with Republicans, with the Trump supporters. One school of thought is represented by Candace uh, Owens uh, saying, well, you know, he just he's too old and stupid. You know, he's just a boomer. He's, uh, you just say, OK, boomer, you don't get it. You know, you're uh, you're an old white dude. You don't understand what's going on. Uh, that's basically her case. And then the other point of view is uh, very articulately put out by Dr. David Martin, very good researcher. I never uh, interviewed Candace Owen or talked to her, but I did uh, talk to uh, Dr. David Martin extensively, at least once. Uh, very good researcher, excellent researcher. But let me play for you first Candace Owen as she is getting harangued by people on the left and the right because, you know, it's very important that if you're going to attack the king, uh, you don't do it in halfway measures, which is what she did. She immediately, she challenged him, then immediately backed off. And she didn't have anything really to back that up. And she doesn't, most importantly, she does not want to offend the Trump base. Neither does the Daily Wire that she works for, which is Ben Shapiro's uh, media outlet. And so here is her way of trying to excuse this for President Trump. And it is unbelievably condescending and naive. Here is Candace Owen. Things are good. And he believes that because he comes from a generation, like people you oftentimes forget like how old Trump is. He comes from a generation. I've seen other people that are older have the exact same perspective. Like they came from a time before TV, before internet, before <laughs> being able to conduct their independent research, you know, and everything that they read uh, in a newspaper it, that was pitched to them, like they believed that that was a reality. And one of those things was, you know, this push for vaccines and believing that people were going to die without vaccines. And well, you know what that reminds me of? I had a discussion. I think I've mentioned this on the show once before. Uh, a friend of uh, my wife's from uh, New York, and she's got a twin brother, and uh, both of them knew this guy. He came down to visit us in in North Carolina. And uh, I forget what it was, but, uh, you know, if you're around me, typically I will bring up politics <laughs> just the way it is, you know. Uh, so I, I said something about politics. Maybe it was because we had been up to um, up to Colonial Williamsburg or something like that. But I said something about Thomas Jefferson. And this guy, not the most well-educated person you've ever seen. <laughs> said, uh, oh, what do those guys know? Uh, they, they didn't know anything. Uh, they lived hundreds of years ago. 
He goes, uh, hey, Jefferson, he, he wouldn't even be able to drive a car today. <laughs> if Jefferson were alive today, he would probably be able to take your car apart and put it back together again. Uh, it was uh, JFK who said um, when he had a whole bunch of Nobel laureates at a gathering at the White House, he said, this is the most intellectual power we've had in the White House since Thomas Jefferson dined alone. Uh, but it's that kind of thing. Oh, you know, it's just this other generation. I mean, this is a guy, you know, Trump is a guy, says Candace Owen. He, he lived before television. And uh, <laughs> she doesn't know that television uh, was introduced to the 1939 World's Fair. Maybe, I don't know. That's where my parents went for their honeymoon. They uh, told me that, uh, you know, they saw television for the first time there. That's where it was introduced, popularized in the 50s. But, yeah. He's not somebody who lived before television. He is somebody, as I point out many times, who knows perfectly well that measles is not a killer disease. And I've harangued him for saying that the kids had to get their measles shots in the spring of 2019. Oh, they got to get the shots. It's just going around. Well, you know, but they, they got to get the shots. That's all it is. And that was about criminalizing medical exemptions in California and in the Northeast, taking away uh, religious and medical exemptions from kids, even at private religious schools, taking away their exemptions. He was laying the foundation, the legal foundation for this type of stuff that's being done at that time. And um, but anyway, she just dismisses it. He's a guy who doesn't read. Well, you know what? If you don't read, you can't lead. He's, he's not fit to uh, lead. But I don't think he's an ignorant fool. Like I said, you know, uh, Alex Jones said he's either the most evil man that ever lived, one of the most evil men that ever lived, or he's totally ignorant. Well, he's not totally ignorant, and neither are you, Alex. Uh, so we will go with uh, the other option. Uh, but this is what Dr. David Martin had to say about it, who actually does research. He's one of these old guys, Candace, who actually reads and thinks and analyzes. Uh, yeah, Dr. David Martin. Much older than you are, but, you know, he actually can get around and read stuff and do research. Amazing how that works. He, he received in the fall of 2019, he received a very, very clear statement drafted by yours truly that actually said, if you want to have a chance at winning the election, you have to stop supporting the coup attempt. I mean, that letter is a letter that I wrote, and I know that it was requested by a member of his family, delivered to him. I know he knew it. And my point was, if you want to win the election, what you need to do is actually point to the short guy that's in front of you in this podium and go, by the way, this domestic terrorist is the reason why we almost lost our country, and I'm holding this domestic terrorist accountable. Now, convenient thing is it would have been very easy to have Secret Service or the FBI there and arrest him and cuff him. And we would have been out of this nonsense a long time ago Fauci. for reasons that <laughs> can only be described as patronage, because it turns out that it is bad, bad, bad for business. If you're going into an elected position, it's bad for business to be on the wrong side of the drug dealers. Because let's face it, drug dealers are the largest endorser of po political campaigns yeah, in America. Biggest lobbyers by almost double, but twice by, the oil and by gas By close industry. to triple, by close yeah. to triple now. So and they fund the, the news media. The matter is, if you hold the drug dealers accountable, they hold you accountable and you don't get elected. And that has got to stop because Trump's morality was for sale for 30 pieces of silver. 
and he has sold American lives to the drug dealers. When he signed uh, 2019, when he signed the executive order that included the mandate for vaccines that included um, a you know recombinant technology, re recombinant gene technology. In September of 2019, Seth, there was not a single reason for that to be an executive order. There's a lot of things wrong. Remember that during that period of time, we did have, an, have another emergency use authorization going on. And people forget this. We had another EUA, and that EUA was on the opioid crisis. Now, it turns out that the same people who were making billions of dollars getting people addicted and killed by opioids held the patents. Listen to what I'm saying. They held the patents on a non-addictive formula so that no one could make the non-addicted formula. Gosh, that's a live EUA that was live in September of 2019. If the president was caring about humanity, he could have made an emergency use authorization to force the production of non-addicting opioids because that information was known by the government. That information was known by the media and not a single person was taking action on that. But instead, on September 19th, he signs an executive order that mandates a vaccine urgent platform. In September of 2019, there was nothing on the horizon in September of 2019. And the only reason that executive order was put on his desk is someone paid him to sign it. And when we look at what is happening, talking about non-addictive alternatives, of course, one of the key non-addictive alternatives is medical marijuana. Uh, it actually helps people to get off of opioid addiction, and it also is a pain reliever that can be used to keep you from ever getting addicted. But when we look at Johnson & Johnson, the key supplier with all this stuff, they were manufacturing it for Purdue Pharmaceutical, the Sackler family. Uh, so they were not really manufacturing it themselves. They were selling it, but it's being manufactured by Johnson & Johnson. They had a lot of exposure to this. Trump helped them to pivot over into the vaccine business where they have total immunity. And of course, Johnson & Johnson has a long history of these types of things. You go back and you look at the baby powder, the talc issues, uh, the cancer issues that happened with that. Uh, so he, he's absolutely right. Uh, he points out, he knows that Trump got this because it was a family member of Trump's that had requested that he get this information. He should have not just fired Fauci. Fauci should have been arrested and investigated. But of course, that wasn't happening anywhere. I had off-air conversation after an interview with Roger Stone. And I said, what's, you know, you know him. What in the world is going on? What about these people that he's put in his cabinet? None of this stuff makes any sense. They're all, oh, yeah, I know. He's, uh, he's, he's got some really bad advisors. And it's like, well, he picks the advisors. So if everybody that he's got there is opposed to what he was telling everybody when he was running for office, Perhaps one obvious conclusion would be that he's not playing 4D chess, but that he was lying to his base, that he was something other than the exact, he was the exact opposite of what he was presenting to the public. He surrounded himself as he talked about how he was going to end foreign wars and pull back the American empire. He surrounded himself with all these generals. And as he was talking about how he's going to fight the new world order, he surrounded himself with bankers who run the new world order. People like Cohen got a golden parachute when he left Goldman Sachs. $250 million, they gave it to him early so he could go control Trump. 
everything about that. You have to understand which side the players are on before you can fight this war. And you need to also understand how rigged this entire system is uh, from the uh, top down. COVID antiviral pills cause life-threatening reactions with many common medications. Now, Dr. Joel Hirschhorn wrote an op-ed piece. I talked about this yesterday. He said, uh, understand that when we talk about the Pfizer uh, Paxlovid, and of course Merck has got one as well, Molnupiravir, or what? I don't know how they pronounce these things, <laughs> these ridiculous drug names that they come up with. But let's just focus on Pfizer's Paxlovid, because I can pronounce that one. And we'll forget about Merck's right now. But they both basically operate the same way. And they have a lot of the same drawbacks. The point that Dr. Hirschhorn would say was he says there's a lot of happy news right now. And uh, there's really, you know, you, you should be concerned about this because there's no testing, just like it was with the vaccines. They skipped the testing. And oh, by the way, because these are being put out. Now, this is something Dr. Hirschhorn did not say. But because these are being put out as part of a so-called pandemic, they're now protected from any liability issues by the PrEP Act that was put in by George W. Bush, 2005. So they're covered legally off of this. But here's uh, some of the details that are here. It goes beyond the fact, be careful, because we really don't know anything about this. They gave it an emergency use authorization without any testing, any data. They don't know the safety or the efficacy of this. They had a very small, very short test. And as Dr. Hirschhorn said, wouldn't it have been interesting to test it instead of against a placebo to have a group of people get ivermectin? Because he said we've had uh, just recently a large uh, uh, another test with ivermectin that had 7,000 people, not a single person died. Very few people even uh, got uh, ill enough to go into, I think it's four people that were sick enough that they had to go to the hospital. And so he said, why don't you compare that to uh, this Paxlovid? But now we see an article from Zero Hedge that said, um, critics are questioning the drug's safety profile. Why? There isn't any right? There's no safety profile. You don't have a profile. You haven't done any research. But now that the first course of these so-called miracle drugs are finding their way into patients' bloodstreams, the mainstream media apparently now feels that it is safe to share some of these criticisms with the public. NBC News reports that the medications will require, quote, careful monitoring by the doctors who are prescribing it. Why? Isn't careful monitoring, isn't that what's supposed to be done by the FDA as part of the approval process? <laughs> it, this is all a test. They're using everybody as lab rats. And that's an admission of that. They said this, uh, Zero Hedge says, this could create problems and make doctors more reluctant to prescribe the meds. Well, I would hope so. But unfortunately, it won't. Because uh, it'll be a lot of money. And we're talking about patients who have been identified as COVID positive by test, which means that they're going to not only be able to sell this expensive drug at a nice profit, but they'll also get a 20% markup over and above that because uh, that's what Trump put in place and Biden has continued. As a reminder, the FDA only authorized Paxlovid, the Pfizer drug, to treat mild to moderate COVID in people as young as 12 who have underlying conditions that raise the risk of hospitalization and death. Again, 7,000 people on ivermectin, 
and only four went into the hospital, zero deaths out of 7,000. Unfortunately, both Pfizer's and Merck's drugs come with some serious drawbacks. They can cause life-threatening reactions to anybody that is using statins. That is widely prescribed for people who have high blood pressure. Uh, I refused to take it because I knew the profile of that. Uh, it was prescribed for me, but I would not take it. Uh, blood thinners, even some antidepressants. What's more, the FDA doesn't recommend Paxlovid for people who have severe liver and kidney damage or for people who don't want to have severe liver and kidney damage. <laughs> this is like remdesivir. You know, it, it is doing horrendous damage uh, to uh, to kidneys. I think it was kidneys or uh, kidneys or liver or, or both. I don't know. Uh, nevertheless, it seems to be a hallmark of whatever they're doing with these drugs. A more detailed explanation about how the Pfizer drug works and why it might be hazardous for some, courtesy of NBC News. They say the Paxlovid cocktail consists of two tablets of the antiviral, and they name it, and one tablet of another drug that has long been used as what is known as a boosting agent in HIV regimes. So in the case of the Paxlovid treatment, this second booster drug, it's a booster, right, uh, slows the body's breakdown of the active antiviral and helps it to remain at therapeutic levels for longer. Some of these potential interactions are not trivial, they said, and some pairings with other drugs have to be avoided altogether, said a professor of pharmaceutical sciences at uh, uh, one university. He said some of them are probably easily managed, but some we're going to have to be very, very careful about. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. And I've got one more segment to do, and then we're going to get into some of the Ask Me Anything questions. So stay with us. We'll be right back. So we lost the last of that. That's okay. We're back. You're listening to the David Knight Show. I'll tell you what you missed there. Uh, injection or ejection with the Trump juice. We have the New York governor who replaced uh, Cuomo, uh, Hochul or Hochul. I don't know how you pronounce her name. Uh, she is now backing off the vaccine mandate for the uh, MTA, for the Metropolitan Transit Associate uh, Workers, due to, guess what, pushback from them. Staff shortages would make it... Uh, impossible for them to operate. So on Monday, uh, the New York governor said that the state does not plan to require coronavirus vaccines for MTA workers, reversing itself. This is not the first time we've seen this. We've seen this with um, Southwest Airlines. We've seen it with many hospitals. We're seeing it now with the New York governor eating crow over this. According to a report from the city, 169 subway workers tested positive for the coronavirus during a seven-day period ending Thursday, December the 16th. More than double the number of subway workers who had tested positive two weeks prior. And by the way, let me just say again, testing positive doesn't mean anything. 
It really doesn't. If you're not symptomatic, you're not going to spread it. And we know how bogus these tests are. Uh, they're not talking about people being put in the hospital. Uh, they're not talking about people dying. As a matter of fact, as I pointed out yesterday, the hospitals, the emergency rooms are filling up with people who are asymptomatic. They're keeping sick people out of the hospitals because all you have to do is get a positive test from one of these bogus tests and you go to a hospital. And it's like, you're not sick. Go away. Uh, note how they don't say whether or not these 169 people were vaccinated. You know that if they were unvaccinated, that would be the entire story, right? So we can assume that they were vaccinated because otherwise that would be all they talked about. As justification for the lack of a vaccine mandate among MTA workers, the governor, the New York governor, cited the fact that approximately 80% of the agency's employees have already been vaccinated. And the nature of their jobs includes limited face-to-face -face interaction with the public. Well, that didn't have any sway to her mandating it. And, of course, we were told from the very beginning of this, you know, Fauci was putting numbers out, you know, what do we have to do to get herd immunity? How long has it been since you heard about herd immunity? Oh, they quit using that quite some time ago. Because at the beginning of all this, you know, you got to lock down until we get a vaccine ready. you got to lock down so we can protect the hospitals from being overwhelmed. Now they're firing staff out of the hospitals who aren't vaccinated. Right, they don't care about the hospitals being overwhelmed. They're putting people in the hospital who are not even sick because they had a positive test. And because the hospital can make money off of that. So uh, Fauci had been saying things, well, yeah, I don't know. You know, we get to like 65 uh, percent, maybe you know, that's going to be maybe herd immunity. I don't know what to see. Maybe it'll be 70 percent, 75. I don't know. And then it gets to 80, gets to 85, 90. Nothing is good enough. As a matter of fact, you get to 100 percent. You still see the ships are shutting down. The cruise ships are shutting down. The Navy ships are shutting down. You have colleges left and right shutting down. We're going to go back to Zoom classes and Zoom tests because in our completely vaccinated school, we got cases here. We got cases. Shut it down. So now 80% of it. So what? You know, that she didn't care about herd immunity before. Here's the point. If you got 20% of the people who don't show up, that's going to shut them down. We have the power if we stand together and stand up to this and do not comply. We can shut this down if enough of us do it, if we hang together. That's the way to bring the system to its knees and to get this reversed. And we've seen it over and over again. But also in New York, in New York City, uh, the op opposite side of this, the horrific aspect of this, Free Thought Project uh, has a video, little boy traumatized as a dozen armed agents swarm in to harass him for eating without showing a vaccine, his vaccine papers. And we've seen this. Uh, I showed you the clip uh, of uh, the Panera Bread where a guy goes in to buy bread, and all of a sudden he's got an army of cops in there, putting him on the floor, putting him in handcuffs, taking him out of Panera Bread because he had the audacity to try to buy bread. And now here's this child and his mother. New York Mayor de Blasio uh, and his key to New York City prog program, this is vaccine passport thing, beginning last week, this discriminatory, unscientific practice, as Free Thought Project accurately describes it, was expanded to include children ages 5 to 11 who are now also forced to show proof of vaccination to enter public places. New York City will not give a single inch in the fight against COVID-19, said Marxist Bill de Blasio. Uh, 
Vaccination is the way out of this pandemic, and these are bold, first-in-the-nation measures to encourage New Yorkers to keep themselves and their communities safe. He's proud of the fact that nowhere else in this formerly free country does the government have the audacity to use these cops who are nothing but the private army of madmen to do this type of thing to a, a five-year-old kid. And that's exactly what they are. That's what the, the uh, Australian cop said to his fellow officers at a large, peaceful demonstration. He turned around to them and he said, don't be the private army of madmen. What are you going to tell your grandkids about this? Which side are you going to be on? When you go home at the end of the day and take off that uniform, you're one of us. Stop doing this to your fellow man. Stop doing it to kids. Apparently, de Blasio hasn't been looking at the data or reading the headlines from across the planet, showing that places, even with 100% vaccination rates, are experiencing massive surges. Yes, it's direct correlation. The more vaccinated you are, the more you're going to see these surges and other issues, uh, including New York City, which currently accounts for 10% of all reported cases in the entire country, despite their COVID police state. Nevertheless, the government is carrying out the tyrannical mandate, and now cops are going after children. In the video, a little boy is traumatized as cops swarm him and his mother in a New York restaurant for trying to eat dinner without showing papers. It wasn't just one or two cops who responded to the scene. You know, this makes me think of the Norman Rockwell version of America. You know, he's got the cop on the stool and little kid there. <laughs> uh, we're not in that America anymore. We're not in Kansas anymore. No, no, we got people, we got five-year-old kids essentially being SWAT teamed by a gang of thugs because of uh, they're told to they're told to so over a dozen cops dispatched to come after this little boy five-year-old boy and his mother he comments on free thought project and says you know just two years ago a scene like this would have shocked the world this is how they are training us for this dystopian future we must be shocked by this do not allow yourself to get accustomed to this, to be anesthetized to this. He said the world would have been shocked if a mother and child had been swarmed by a dozen armed agents of the state and kicked out of a restaurant for failure to make public their medical history. News agencies worldwide would have run the story. But now, this is commonplace in the land of COVID dystopia. As you watch the video, pay attention to the woman who is filming. She continually asks the cops if this is what they signed up for. She said, is this what you signed up for? Is this what justice looks like to you? Is this what you dreamed of when you wanted to be a cop? Obviously, these officers could not care less about what actual justice looks like. They're merely, quote, doing their jobs blindly carrying out orders handed down from on high from the tyrants that they obey. And then we have Oprah Winfrey and the policy, the policy, she calls it. Uh, she has um, a uh, Gail King is um, 
was barred. She is uh, a news, I forget which network she works for. Is it in here? No, it's not. Uh, she works for one of the major news networks. And she was barred from Christmas at Oprah's house. Uh, close friend. Uh, everyone who's spending Christmas at my house has to be vaccinated, boosted, tested, and quarantined, said Oprah Winfrey on her Facebook account. Stedman calls it the policy because I'm serious about it. And so she said, um, uh, she continued and said, this is a release day for our bubble, uh, her social bubble, I guess. And we knew that we had to throw a welcome celebration for baby Luca, who none of us had met yet, referring to the grandson of Gail King. So she's having a Christmas party, and um, uh, the grandmother, Gail King, is not invited because she hasn't followed the policy. We missed his grandma, Gail King, but she'll join us once she completes the policy. So uh, on Christmas Day, Gail King posted to Facebook, I followed all the protocols. I, my test results are in. So cleared to join the group, and I am so happy. Isn't that pathetic? So you don't worry about joining the group. Um <laughs> I forget who it was that said, I wouldn't want to join any club that would have me as a member. Well, I wouldn't want to join any club that would require me to jump through these kinds of hoops and would think that, that they could Marx. dictate. What's that? I believe that was Groucho Marx. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Groucho Marx. <laughs> Where is he when we need him? <laughs> now we've got the other Marx, uh, Marxists, right? <laughs> we need to go back to the Marx brothers. Uh, they would certainly enjoy the absurdity of the situation. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with AMA questions. Stay with us. Listening to the David Knight Show. All right, let's get into the Ask Me Anything questions. Uh, we've been collecting these for a while, and uh, not in any particular order or by any subject. They're just kind of random, all over the place. So let me just start at the top. This is from Mark. He says, um, uh, "I have a, a couple of questions on." He said, "Where do you have your money invested, and why? Uh, and uh, do you think Alex Jones is controlled opposition?" Uh, <laughs> Well, I've addressed that quite a bit. Uh, I think he is controlled by his greed, if nothing else, and whoever is paying it, whether it's the audience or whether it's an agency. But let me just say, as far as money invested, uh, you don't want my investment advice. <laughs> I thought it was a good idea uh, back in uh, 2000. I thought it was a good idea to park some money into tech stocks just before the tech bubble burst. And I thought it was a, a smart way to play. And I thought, well, you know, what should I invest in? I don't know. You know, there's this company called Amazon. Uh, I don't know. I, I've seen so many 
dot coms go bust. I don't. I don't know if they're going to be around. I think the better play would be to uh, do what the the people did that made the most money during the gold rushes. You know, it wasn't the miners who went out. You had a few miners who would go out there and they'd strike it rich, but the people who did the best were the ones who sold them the picks and the axes. So I thought, well, let me let me uh, put my money on the companies that are building the switchers and the internet. Uh, you know, the the hardware that's going to be building out the Internet. So I thought that was a pretty good strategy, except then the entire tech segment uh, burst, and it happened at a time where I couldn't write it out because it also happened at the same time that uh, the business that we had sold was uh, taken away from us as creditors because of fraud that was involved there, that we were not able to pull that back in the um, in the court system. And, you know, it was a real difficult time for us, but I go back and I look at it, and um, it was the beginning of, I think, probably the best time in my life. Uh, it was a time where we were able to grow in our dependence on God. We saw him providing just enough, just in time, over and over again. That's why I suggest that you read the uh, diary of um, Mueller, uh, George Mueller who was in a situation like that because uh, he was a poor pastor. He didn't hammer people for money. He was not a prosperity gospel guy like Joel Osteen. He was the exact opposite of it. He did have a box in the back of the church where people could drop money if they wanted to support him and his ministry, but he didn't even tell anybody about it, never mentioned it. And uh, even more importantly is he had some kids because it was at a time you know, you see all the Dickens uh, stories about orphans on the street. That was a very, very big problem at that particular time. Uh, there were a lot of orphans. There was a lot of you know, debtors' prisons, all the stuff that you see in the Dickens novels. And uh, so he took in a couple of them, and he didn't have the money for that, but God started providing it. And then some more came in, and people started seeing that he was taking care of orphans, so they started bringing it to him. And it went on for years, and he had a, a very large organization there, and it was always just-in-time funding. He refused to ask people for money because he didn't want to uh, uh, influence them. He wanted to uh, see it as coming from God's hand. And it is an amazing diary that he put together, that he kept uh, records of this. His purpose was to show people that God is still working in our lives. And so I say that, you know, we, we had all of that taken away from us, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a perfect storm, a lot of things happening all at once. And um, it we really made us sit back and say, you know, what is happening? Why is this happening to us? We're trying to do the right thing. And, uh, and yet it was a real blessing, and we realized that after a while. And um, so uh, in terms of uh, money, you know, I have, um, you know, I... I I have a little bit of money that people have uh, donated via Bitcoin, and and I see that. I'm I'm skeptical about all these different things. You know, like Elon Musk said, uh, all the different markets are rigged. Maybe Bitcoin a little bit less than some of the others. But, you know, I try to keep uh, just a little bit of um, gold and silver. Um, very conservative in terms of uh, about the only investment I have is an IRA, and I put that and paper gold for the most part, just because I haven't had the time to go through the complication of, of setting up a physical gold IRA, which you can do. Uh, I would say that uh, what my dad did, which was always a safe investment, was um, uh, he invested in real estate. Uh, I've had bad luck with real estate too, 
Uh, we had <laughs> uh, got out of college in 1980. We moved to Houston, and we both had good jobs, and we didn't have any kids, and we uh, bought a house right away. And then we wanted to move. Uh, you know, and Houston was a boom town at that time. Everybody else was having a difficult time with a Carter stagflation, but Houston was booming with oil and the rest of that stuff. So we, we got a house. The interest rates were very, very high. It was a fixed rate of 13%. And, uh, but we did have a house and, uh, after three years, we wanted to move uh, back East. And, uh, that was right at the beginning of the crash of the Houston real estate market. And it crashed big time. Uh, everybody was basically walking away from property. We didn't do it. And it was a very, uh, you know, it, it really hit us hard. And uh, so, you know, it can be timing even in, in real estate. It can be difficult to, uh, you know, there's not really, you know, it's all just timing. And at the time, this was before we had, you know, the big crashes like you saw in 2008 that were nationwide. At that time, you would have the investors would come in and they would pump up a particular real estate market. Now, Houston was doing well at the time because of energy and it was the oil crisis and stagflation. But that was the one thing with stagflation that was doing well was energy. And uh, yet after that, you had a lot of these same real estate guys would went back to Tampa, my original hometown, and they blew that market up with uh, speculative investment. And then they pumped it up and then dumped it. And of course, they do that with gold. They do it with all kinds of metals. They do it with cryptocurrency, and they certainly do it with a dollar. So it's, it's difficult. But I, I will not put any money in the stock market. I just see it as a casino. Uh, the one thing that... Um, my dad did that I think is as a conservative thing. He put stock into uh, utility companies and um, that's what he put his IRA in and they pay a pretty good dividend and they're guaranteed to make a profit. And so the stock price doesn't really necessarily go up, but they, you know, in a situation like we have today where you can't get any interest at the banks, you can, uh, make dividends, which work out to be pretty good. You're not going to get rich off of it, but it's about preserving your capital. If that's what you're looking for uh, conservatively, you know, that might be an option. But uh, don't take my advice on money. <laughs> you don't want to know. Uh, another question here. This is from Ed. David, do you think that Joseph Rosenbaum, Anthony Huber, Gage, Grosskreutz, uh, these are the people uh, that had, shall we say, the encounter with Kyle Rittenhouse? <laughs> Uh, do you think that they were sent to cause trouble, to instigate trouble, maybe paid? Well, I don't know. I don't have the information on that. I, I do know that uh, there was many indications that Antifa was being coordinated. Uh, you know, uh, it needed to be investigated. Uh, there was a lot of coordination that went across state lines. This should have been something that was investigated by the Trump administration. But, of course, uh, again, uh, nothing being done. Yeah, just, just sitting there. Uh, tweeting and <laughs> and trolling people and doing nothing. Uh, so, yeah, you should have had an, an Antifa investigation a long time before it ever got to that point in time. Uh, this is um, from somebody, a BitChute fan. I had no idea you were a music man. Did you compose or arrange? There's a lot of Copeland in those themes. You're opening and closing themes, too. Uh, yes, I did arrange those. And I did that, um, well, because I wanted to... Um, I wanted to, to put this together and figure out how to do it. I really wasn't planning on doing my own show. I didn't need to have license-free. Uh, I, I started putting together uh, this, this uh, capability a couple of years ago. Uh, and um, 
I start and I put together those things for the show because not having a radio show, I don't have a license for it. So I didn't want to get a copyright strike on some of these people, uh, you know, because if I got a copyright strike, Trovo might kick me off or YouTube might kick me off or what. They did it anyway. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I should just play the copyright stuff. Uh, but anyway, I did it so I wouldn't have a copyright violation. And um, the uh, commercial music that's there. Um, but uh, he asked, the reason this is here, he asked, uh, what do I use to sequence, track, mix it, etc." And I had some other people ask me that, and I replied on, um, I think on YouTube. I replied to it, because I put this stuff up on YouTube, the music. I wanted to see what they would do about it uh, if I just put up music. And uh, so I'm going to push it a little bit further. I'm going to probably put up some stuff with the opening music or the commercials, you know, that mentions the David Knight show and see if they listen to that and kick me off. It's kind of a test <laughs> to see what happens. But um, I use uh, a digital audio workstation. I call them DAWs. And there's a lot of them that are out there. Uh, the one that I use is uh, the cheapest one I could find, which really does the job. It's called Reaper. You can get it for free if you're using it for commercial purposes. They ask you to pay them something like $60, $65 for a lifetime license. And it's got all the basic uh, stuff that you need for this. You can do the mixing and, and different things like that. But the key thing is really the, um, the uh, software instruments and uh, getting some good samples that have a wide variety of articulations if you're trying to, to do that. And to have a keyboard that is weighted and realistic if you're playing it. Uh, but uh, anyway, I enjoy doing it and uh, plan on doing some more. Uh, and I've got a different project as well that I had in mind that I wanted to do. Uh, hello, David. I was just listening to your latest show. You're talking about empty hospital ship at dawn on me that Trump and his global elitist mob were probably hoping they could fill all of those beds. Likely so they could administer remdesivir and send the death total through the roof. Well, actually, they did that before they had remdesivir. Remdesivir, well, remdesivir had been around for a long time. They, Fauci had tried to sell it for AIDS. Uh, didn't, didn't pan out, tried to sell it for Ebola. It was ineffective. And, uh, even though it was ineffective for COVID, as he said, he changed the standard of testing. It wasn't, it was always in the past. Does it cure it? Uh, no, it didn't do anything. As a matter of fact, it had a slightly worse, uh, survival profile. Uh, but, um, it was within the margin of error. But what he said was, well, the people who survived got better 30% faster. So it's now the standard of care here. No, no. It was simply corruption. Uh, but they weren't really talking about using remdesivir at that point in time. What, what all that was, was it was a Potemkin village. The pictures of the 2,500-bed hospital, the hospital ship that was there, all the other stuff that was there. It was just a Potemkin village, or you could call it a Potemkin hospital. You know, Franklin Graham went there, and I think he meant well at the beginning of it. Uh, but then they realized that they weren't needed. And Trump realized that the hospital bed was not needed. And so let me ask you this. If they pull this out of the place in America that was the epicenter of the world at that point in time, they were telling everybody, you know, New York City. Uh, they show all the pictures of the empty beds. Nobody ever shows up. So they pull the hospital ship away. They pull the Army Field Hospital away. Uh, Samaritan's Purse packs up and leaves. Now, why wouldn't Trump then come out and say, well, uh, this fortunately is not the thing that we feared. 
and let's go back to life as usual. Why would Franklin Graham sell the vaccine? Because he knows that even in New York, it wasn't a big deal. Why would you push that? And again, I don't think that Franklin Graham was paid off necessarily. I, you know, he wound up with pericarditis, which I believe was likely from the vaccine. They can blame it on his age. He's around 70. I think he's a little bit uh, less than 70. So they'll blame it on that. But again, these people, uh, whether they can't put the pieces together or whether they refuse to because of uh, pressure, wanting to be accepted, or whether it's money, as I really do believe that it was with Trump. As David Martin said, you know, think about the fact who, who controls the money. You know, these people, these drug companies, they control the media because they, you know, that's where they make all their money. All of this ask your doctor stuff. That's when they took over all the networks because they started flooding them with cash. Another question here. Um, um, anyway, I'd like to see your, to continue, to continue on with that. This is from Rick. I'd like to hear your take on how their plan is coming together. Do you believe they're having their way or are we thwarting their plans? Well, I think that remains to be seen. Um, we'll just have to see. People are waking up to this. They've had enough of this. And if there are enough of us who have had enough of this, yeah, you've got the people who are attacking other people. By the way, uh, <laughs> it came out yesterday evening, the fact that uh, this, this woman who attacked that man on the airplane, uh, just, just really infuriating to watch this. She's got her mask down and she's just yelling and screaming at him because he's got his mask off while he's eating. And I said, yeah, this guy is, you know, 67 years old. He was 80 years old. Uh, she slaps him. She punches him. She cuts his face. She spits in his face. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And the flight attendants weren't doing anything. Now it comes out. Her, her name was released as she was arrested by the FBI. It comes out that uh, she is a former NFL cheerleader, a former playmate, and a former Baywatch babe or whatever. And um, she's got to be up in her 40s somewhere. So I underestimated her age as well as the other guy's age by about 10 years. That, that I guess, is part of getting older yourself. <laughs> Everybody seems to be younger than they really are, including the guys who are 80 years old are starting to... <laughs> but... Uh, you know, she is, uh, perhaps she was auditioning for a new role, Mean Girls, <laughs> or Mean Karens, a you know, sequel to Mean Girls. You know, they, they get middle-aged women who uh, never quite made it in Hollywood, and now the one thing they were trading on is kind of evaporated, like um, uh, the, the bloom of the flower has now departed. I guess perhaps that was part of what she was upset about, maybe more than his mask. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Um, do you feel we are nearing the tribulation? If so, how far will they get? Well, I'm not going to make any predictions about that. Uh, I don't pretend to know. And I've got a lot of questions here about the mark of the beast and about revelation. And I'll just say that, um, I, I have seen a, a lot of different interpretations of revelation and, um, uh, I see merit and I see problems and all the different ones, whether it's pre-mill or whether it's post-mill or whether it's amillennial or whatever. And so um, I'm not really qualified to make a decision about that. And um, I'll just say to you that um, you know, the most important thing is to uh, look for Christ and to make sure that you are on the right side with this. 
another question, and I honestly am trying to get to the reality of the worker shortage. Here are my observations. The people I knew getting unemployment are now back to work. All employers I know are hard-pressed to find and to keep employees. It's easy to get and to keep a job, even workers with the worst attitude, workers who are rude to customers, who are always tardy. Those workers are not fired. Yes, I, I can say that from experience. I know that. Uh, the rush hour traffic is as horrible as ever, yes. Yet I know for a fact that businesses still need more workers. You used to have to know somebody who works for my husband's employer just to get an interview for an entry-level position. Now any willing person is offered the job. After almost two years, the workforce is still staying home on unemployment and depleting their savings account. That just doesn't add up, and I agree. I really do think that, uh, you know, when you, and this uh, listener, uh, Kimberly from Cell Block, California, she did a great job of laying this out. You know, you could understand for a while that people were getting unemployment. They were getting stimulus checks. But, of course, as I pointed out yesterday, because I saw this question, I said that that really is, I think, what is happening. It really does show, I believe, that uh, they are covering up the people who have died and uh, the people who have been injured and cannot go back to work. That I th This is an indication, I think, that that is a much, much bigger number. And as we pointed out, Harvard, in a study for HHS a few years ago, said only 1% of the cases are being reported to VAERS. Columbia University just came out with another study just uh, shortly, a couple of weeks ago. <coughs> Excuse me. They said they think that uh, it's at least 20 times greater than the numbers that are in the VAERS database. So, you know, instead of 100 times greater, 20 times greater. But even that would be massive. Uh, so, you know... Um, if you have that many people that are dead, that are <clears throat> seriously injured, that would explain a lot of this. And I think that truly is the case. She said, are they dead? Are they dead from suicide, drugs, gene therapy-related side effects? Uh, is this uh, early retirement? Are these people sick, disabled from injections? Is drug addiction making people disabled, mentally ill, homeless, <clears throat> induced OCD? Is that leading to a type of agoraphobia? Or a virus phobia? Well, they still have to be able to, um, you know, get get income, uh, even if they don't want to go out. Where do they get that money? So um, anyway, I think that's a good question, and quite frankly, I believe that um, you know it is more than twenty times higher than what we're seeing in this stuff. Uh, so uh, next question: um, <clears throat> This person uh, said, uh, "I like your." Uh, garage or basement studio it feels like an underground transmission <laughs> yeah that's true we set up a room here in uh, uh in the garage we built out so we could uh, get our living room back because we couldn't even move through the house with the other equipment there for the first six months or so um could you put up a list of recommended books on your website or somewhere yes i'm going to try to do that and, and i think it'll be easier for us before we can get a website up i think i can start putting stuff up on substack and i think that'll help me to get a uh, mailing list as well of people. Um, and I think it'll be easier for people to find me on Substack than it would be just to find um, uh, that. We'll still have the, the website there and we'll still are, are focused on trying to get that developed. Uh, my priority is uh, right now to 
uh, get things prepared to get on to Rockfin. And I want to make that happen uh, by next Monday. Uh, Rockfin, you'll be able to pick up the program. And then there'll be a sixth day on Saturday. Uh, we will do a, um, a live show that will be uh, question and answer for people. Uh, so we're going to work on setting that up. And uh, so that's um, something that I need to do the next couple of days. And I'm very blessed to have um, people like Tony who will step in and uh, Guard is going to step in. Guard Goldsmith is going to step in and um, uh, he's going to uh, do the show tomorrow, uh, Thursday and on Friday. So uh, that's going to give us time to try to get on to get the, the technical issues worked out so we can get on to Rockfin. Uh, so, you know, with Rockfin and with um, uh, Substack and with improvement on the um, uh, on the website, hopefully some of these things will start to come together. Uh, another question uh, that was from Trevor. Another one from uh, Jason. Where do you get the images that you put uh, back here? Oh, here. <laughs> uh, which shoulder is over here? Um, where do you get those images? And would you like viewers to contribute some of the photography as a way to contribute? Well, actually, those are being done by my brother-in-law, Karen's twin brother. And uh, he's a graphic artist and everything. So he throws those together for us uh, pretty quickly. Um, he kind of coordinates with Karen, uh, who decides what color tie she wants me to wear and that type of thing. So uh, we'd be open to people putting it in, I'm sure. Uh, the resolution is 1080, which is 1920 by 1080. Um, and so um, he says, I enjoy the different backdrop each day. Appreciate that you and your family take the time to change it for variety. Yes, I appreciate it. And it has nothing to do with me. They, they take care of all of that. Is faking the mark of the beast as bad as taking the mark? Is it better or is it worse? And this is really a question, uh, I think, about fake passports. Uh, this person says, I feel like I've already answered this question for myself, but since nobody is talking about this elephant in the room, perhaps it'd be a good topic for your show one day. And I'd be intrigued by your insight since I value your opinion. Anecdotally, I estimate roughly half of the official vaxxed numbers coming out are pure fiction. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they, they manipulate the numbers on everything. They used to historically manipulate all the flu numbers. And, uh, of course, we know they manipulate the unemployment figures. They manipulate the inflation numbers. I imagine they mess with the vaccinated numbers as well. Um, so, anyway, um, said, uh, I think uh, it's cooked up media skew, which we're all aware of. I hear many stories of friends, acquaintances, even family members who are buying their vaccine credentials without actually taking the poison. And I think that's happening a lot as well. That's why you're seeing all the different articles. Oh, we're... We're going to make this a crime, and we just caught somebody over here and that type of thing. That is put out there to scare people, and it's, it's for real. I mean, uh, but anyway, let me finish uh, this question here, and I'll tell you, um, I'll give you my response. I can't help but to think that this is a major force in perpetuating the great lie. After all, if these millions of people simply call the bluff, stood up and refused, most of these industries would have no choice but to cave or to collapse and completely vaporize. Well, I agree. And that's why, you know, the story that I had about the MTA or what you saw happening with Southwest Airlines, uh, that's very important. And I think at this point in time, that is the best thing that we could do. Do not comply, resist, protest, but refuse to comply. And if we do that in sufficient numbers, it will make them back down. We've already seen it happen. Even the New York governor 
hardcore. She had to back down. Hospitals are backing down with this. I think that is the appropriate uh, response. And I think there is a time when it is very appropriate to do what Daniel did or what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. When they were told that they had to do something that violated their religious beliefs, they were prohibited from worshiping or praying, or they had to go worship this idol or whatever, uh, they refused and took the consequences. Daniel, even uh, when he was told that he couldn't pray, he made a point of doing it with his window open so that everybody in the world could see him. And they threw him in the lion's den, right? and so we have to be prepared to take the consequences for that type of thing. But um, we also know that if we do something to honor God, that he will honor us. That is a promise from him. We can trust that. And so I think we ought to be bold. And I think when uh, you know, we have this uh, challenge, we ought to directly confront this. I, I, I firmly believe in nullification and in uh, confronting this at the, the lower level. I absolutely agree with that. Then he goes on to uh, speaking of live not by lies. Does this behavior not precisely fit the bill? And let me say, because I've talked about this, and uh, Doug Wilson has talked about it, and I, I agreed with what Doug Wilson had to say. Um, and he said things like, you know, make sure, you know, first of all, live not by lies is Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was a Christian. He was an honorable man, a man of character. But, you know, and we can look at the life experiences of other people, but our standard is the Bible. And so when you look at the Bible, you see things where uh, the, um, you know, Moses would have been killed if the Hebrew midwives had followed the orders of Pharaoh, the government, but they preserved his life and graduated for that. And there are many other instances of that all through the Bible, that type of thing. Paul was, they tried to arrest Paul. They were going to put him in jail. He escaped uh, by being lowered in a basket. You know, he didn't just surrender. So there are times when you want to directly confront it. And then there are times when you're going to, you know, uh, do this subversively and quietly. Uh, civil disobedience, understanding that there may be consequences for that if you're caught. And so when we look at live not by lies, what Solzhenitsyn was talking about was the difference between going all the way into totalitarianism. He was talking about not embracing the tyranny, uh, not engaging in what Orwell called doublethink. In other words, taking something that you know is untrue and accepting it and truly believing it, not just playing along with it. And, and Solzhenitsyn made a, different, uh, made a distinction about that and live not by lies. He said, yeah, you may, as we see in the Soviet Union, you, know, you, you become an enemy of the state, they're gonna, you will be homeless, and you won't even have any food. And uh, so you may need to, out of uh, self-preservation, comply with this, but never accept it as true. You know, you always are, I'm just doing this to, to get through this, is what he was saying. And he's, his live not by lies uh, didn't mean that um, uh, you did not comply with it, that you always confronted it directly. What it meant was that you do not uh, accept it mentally. That's the distinction that he made between authoritarianism and totalitarianism. With totalitarianism, they want your consent, your mind. They want you 
to say that 2 plus 2 equals 5 and really believe it. Both Orwell and Solzhenitsyn knew that. And so they were talking about the difference between existing and, and trying to stay alive in an authoritarian society and uh, succumbing to the totalitarian demand to control your mind and your soul. And, and so that's what we're talking about. And when Doug Wilson talked about it, yeah, I, I gave a lot of examples in the Bible when I talked about it. Uh, and what he was talking about was he said, you're not going to do this. You know, this is something that you need to think about because things are moving very rapidly. Uh, if this is something about trying to escape with your family, trying to save somebody's life, as we saw Corey Ten Boom do, for example, you know, the Nazis came looking for the Jews. They deceived them. They lied to them. They're eventually caught, put in a concentration camp themselves. Nobody survived except for her, out of her family. And uh, so there are times when you, uh, you know, are not bearing false witness against your neighbor. What you're doing is you are uh, deceiving people who do not have the authority to do what they're doing. But you should not be, as Doug Wilson put it, a chump. Uh, you don't come up with a fake vaccine passport so that you can go to a sporting event. <laughs> uh, you don't, you know, this is reserved, that type of thing is reserved for uh, real issues of life and death. And I would even say that I, I don't, I would not use a vaccine passport to keep a job because I don't want to work for somebody like that. Uh, the way that we want to do this, I, I, I still think we're at the point right now where you need to openly defy this and do not comply. And uh, if they're coming to arrest you in the future to put you in some kind of a concentration FEMA camp or a gulag or something like that, you do everything that you can to escape. And, uh, you know, um, uh, so I think that kind of resistance uh, is important. And there are different stages and different types of situations uh, that are going to call for different responses. And that's not situational ethics. I think that's just discernment and wisdom. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Listening to the David Knight Show. All right, we have another question. This is from uh, someone MM. Uh, maybe you can address this on your show. Do you think these shots were really developed over the past year, or have they been ready to roll out for a long time? Well, I can tell you that the political tactics have been war gamed and practiced. The germ games and so forth have been practiced for a very long time. Two thousand one, dark winter. But even before that, they were laying the foundation for these types of things. Uh, RFK Jr. goes into that uh, in a good deal of detail uh, in his uh, Fauci book, uh, which, by the way, 
<laughs> I thought it was interesting yesterday. To uh, After the show, I looked at the headlines on the Drudge Report, and there's all this stuff about, well, now Fauci says we're going to have to wear masks forever on airplanes, and we're going to have to have vaccine things. And, and then that was on the Drudge Report. I actually took a snapshot of that, and I tweeted it out. I said, it looks like these people are turning on him. Uh, <laughs> there, there was also a thing there about, when is he going to retire? And then there were all these articles, and, and Drudge linked to some of them, saying, you know, when he retires, he's still going to make uh, 300 and something thousand dollars a year. He'll be the highest paid retired employee ever because he already makes more money than the president does because he's been there for so long. He really is like the listener from South Africa I read yesterday. He really is like a Jagger Hoover. He's a consummate politician. He's not a scientist. He's a political scientist. Uh, and he, <laughs> he knows how to groom and to control everybody. But getting back to this, the, you know, the propaganda of this was something that was rolled out for a long time. Uh, there have been some people, I think David Martin is one, Dr. David Martin is one of them, who uh, believes that uh, they'd already laid the foundation for the actual uh, toxic bioweapon shots before all of this. Certainly they were putting in executive orders. Certainly they were, you know, rolling out the MMR vaccine mandates and taking away medical and religious exemptions and that type of thing. So they were preparing all of this. They were practicing for locking everybody down, rushing vaccines through without doing any testing, and then requiring that to live your life. So yeah, it is a plan. And it's been going on for a very long time. They're not reacting to anything. They have an agenda and it doesn't matter how absurd their protocols are. They just continue down that. Well, now everybody's got to get vaxxed. Well, you still got to get vaxxed and you still got to wear the mask and all this. And they're relentless about it. Uh, next question is from Rick. He says, I remember uh, about two years ago, there was a lot of talk on InfoWars about Walmarts converting to detainment facilities. I haven't heard anything recently about it. Is that still a thing? I haven't heard anything about that either. I was getting a lot of calls and I was getting uh, uh, some uh, direct information from somebody that we knew through homeschooling who uh, was, uh, had seen some of these places. Uh, I don't know what they have done with them. I don't know if that was fake news. I don't know. Uh, I never saw a plausible explanation for any of this stuff. Uh, so I'm not really sure what's going on. Uh, and that's, uh, that's my honest opinion. I don't really know what is happening with that. It looked uh, legitimate at the time that they were doing something as they were sh shutting down some of these places, that they were putting uh, facilities in there. They were acting very, very strange in terms of pushing people who were truck drivers and think, no, you can't look in that area. I mean, why would they, they do that? Uh, shutting down stores that had been doing really well. Uh, but I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, we really don't know what is happening with that. Um, this person says, um, this is Mark. He says, uh, what would you suggest for pushing back in an area that hasn't really changed from 2019? I'm in Pennsylvania. And other than some masks and some signage, life is about where it was in 2019, where I live. There isn't even talk of passes, let alone anything on the horizon. Does a divided government help? Yeah, I think so. He said, our legislature is GOP controlled. Governor Wolf is a Democrat. The legislature wrote a bill to sort of outlaw passes, as you pointed out. But it was a head fake since it didn't ban passes from private businesses. That's the key thing, right? Uh, that's the plan was always to roll it through 
uh, roll these mandates and other pressure points to use private companies to do that. Uh, because the private companies, as they become bigger, as they become more consolidated, they don't really care about their customers. Their customer, the person that they need, the, the groups that they need to please, are the government. And as long as they can please the government and not have the government come after them or break up their monopoly, as long as they can get government contracts and the rest of that, that's all they care about. They don't care about uh, customers anymore. Not when you've got a monopoly. You're only concerned about keeping the government happy. Anyway, he says, um, because the bill also sought to restrain the governor's emergency powers, Wolf vetoed it. Anyway, we're in a stalemate here. We have no passes, as neighboring New York and New York City do. I get the feeling that people are weary of the COVID panic. So how do we push back here when there's nothing to push back against? There's no talk of passes that I'm aware of. People are just living their lives normally for the most part. Well, I would say this. I would say prepare. It's coming. It really is coming. I don't see these people backing off. As I've said before, I think it's just a speed at which they can roll it out. And unless we push back, unless we do not comply, it is coming. And uh, so I think if you're in an area where the storm hasn't hit yet, uh, then you start looking at things that you can do to uh, provide for yourself, to learn skills that are going to be useful in uh, an underground economy. There'll be things that are useful to you now anyway. So if you can learn how to grow some food or learn a, some things that are going to be useful in terms of bartering in the future, but most importantly, to start developing ties within the community. Uh, this is something that is <clears throat> it's healthy for us. It's mentally and spiritually healthy for us to have connections to other people. That's why they're trying to take that away. You know, they're not just trying to poison our body. They're trying to poison our mind and our soul as well. That's why they want to isolate us. That's why they want us to put us in the metaverse. And it just breaks my heart to see uh, so many young people who are just constantly sitting there looking at the phone. Or to see uh, a couple who are out to eat and they're both sitting there looking at the phone most of the time. I mean... You know, just the phone. And imagine how this is going to be escalated as the technology gets better. And they have augmented reality. And they have a, a metaverse and so forth. Uh, we need to break this type of mind control over us, this kind of isolation. And uh, that means making friends with people. Preparing yourself, preparing community. That's what all of us need to be doing. And uh, just be grateful that you don't live in a place like New York City. Uh, but you still need to prepare because I do think it is coming. Next question. Uh, this is from Marty in uh, New York. He says, it's really three in one kind of question. Number one, Fauci's boss, Collins, has decided to resign at the end of 2021. Is this a distraction? Number two, Andrew Yang, famous for pushing UBI, universal basic income. Tucker interviews him on his evening show, really a portion of a longer interview they had recently. Yang says he is starting a new political party called the forward party. Is this a distraction? And three big news for Australia. Gladys Berejiklian resigns. And today, uh, Dominic uh, Perrottet, I guess is uh, how you pronounce his name, is elected the new premier. So this is a, an older uh, email that was sent in. So, um, you know, he asked about those three things. I, I think that, uh, you know, Collins would like to uh, get out of the hot seat. Uh, he's also getting older. 
He's been there for a while, but I think he would like to get to the hot seat. Most people don't want to stay there. Uh, that says another thing about Fauci. You know, the fact that he's 81 and he really doesn't want to give this up. That's his entire life. And that, that tells you a great deal about it. It's kind of like Hillary Clinton talking about the politics of meaning. And when she says that, what she means is that politics gives meaning to her life, which is really sad and pathetic if you stop and think about it. Uh, we, I cover politics uh, because we need to know what's coming. And, uh, but I don't like it. <laughs> I would be perfectly happy to do something else, frankly, but I, it just, it's something that, um, uh, just, uh, I, I find it annoying and provocative and I have to say something about it and I have to warn people about it. It's just a, a thing with me. Uh, so, you know, look at Andrew Yang and, um, I don't, I didn't see the Tucker interview with Andrew Yang. I don't know what Tucker was saying about that. All I know is that, uh, universal basic income is a lie straight out of hell, and it is a Marxist tactic to take everything from us and to make us completely dependent. It was what Michael Bloomberg was talking about when he insulted the farmers and he insulted the factory workers. He was talking about going from an agrarian to an industrial society and now going to where, as he put it, the smart people like him were going to take everything from us, and they were going to use universal basic income to keep us pacified while they're destroying our lives, destroying our future, destroying our families, to keep us from coming after, as he put it, uh, people like him with guillotine, guillotines. So they don't want us to come after them with guillotines. So universal basic income is the way that they pacify us. It is evil. It goes on to say, uh, this is uh, another person, I think. Uh, this is Monty, yeah. Uh, Monty has questions about perjury and a statement, actually, a historical statement. I think it's kind of interesting. He said, perjury is a felony level crime. But when was the last time you saw or even heard of anyone actually being criminally prosecuted for the crime of perjury? Ever wonder why? Do you know the significance of raising your right hand when you're sworn in a position of public trust as a witness in a judicial proceeding? The origin of that custom dates back to feudal England when the land barons, the landlords, held their own courts, now known as county courts, uh, he said, uh, when anyone was caught and convicted of perjury, it was customary to punish the perjurer by branding the palm of the right hand, leaving a lifelong scar, which thereafter marked the offender as a liar, as someone who could not be relied upon to tell the truth or to keep agreements, as someone who was not a reliable witness. So the purpose of raising the right hand was to identify anyone that was thus marked. Well, that's interesting. I had not heard that. That rings true. I know they used to uh, mark people who had committed uh, various crimes in various ways. Uh, but of course, um, we would have, <laughs> if that were the case, if we went after people who committed perjury, since the FBI lies all the time and many people in government do, you know, the FBI can lie to you, but you better not lie to them because many times that's the only crime that uh, they'll prosecute people for. Uh, but, you know, we would have... Um, I think you'd be able to identify people as federal employees by the scar on their hand, <laughs> if that were the case. The punishment of branding was ca categorized in this country as cruel and unusual punishment and done away with. Uh, but the now meaningless custom of raising the right hand to administer an official oath or affirmation remains. I doubt the court clerks of today are even aware of this bit of history. For them, it is all robotic routine without comprehension. 
Were the feudal custom of branding for perjury to be reinstituted in this country, I think there would be an awful lot of government officials, employees, and bureaucrats and others wearing gloves in public. Exactly. I agree with that. Well, let me just say this, though. You know, It's not going to be that kind of um, an outward thing, right? You, you have to have – it's just like when we talk about the Constitutional Convention. There's nothing wrong with the Constitution. Uh, what is wrong are the people that won't obey their oath, and what is wrong – is the public that won't hold them accountable. And the reason that um, all of this is happening is because there is no fear of God. It isn't because we didn't tattoo people's hands when they were caught lying. Uh, it's because there's just no fear of God anymore. You know, it would be useful to know who, who the people are that you know, are repeat offenders or untrustworthy. Uh, but what has happened is it's, it's so broad in our society uh, and that is really the fundamental issue here. Uh, they don't believe they're going to be held responsible for what they do in life. And they're wrong about that. Uh, they'll, be they'll be held responsible. I think um, you know, when we look at this as Christians, yes, Christ died for our sins and took away the punishment for that. But God as a father will punish us in this life if we uh, do the wrong thing. You can see that in the life of King David, right? Uh, you know. That, that uh, break in his relationship with God was healed, but David had consequences his entire life from the adultery and the murder that he committed with uh, Bathsheba and her husband that he had killed. That had consequences for him and for his family, lifetime consequences. It was uh, uh, not because God did not forgive him, but it was because God wanted to uh, to chasten him, to, to punish him, to make him better. Uh, so we should not, uh, we should take that to heart and understand that even those of us who are Christians are going to be punished in this life, especially in this life. I mean, if you're not a Christian, you probably get away with it, you know, <laughs> like uh, Bill Gates for their entire life and then be punished for eternity. That, that's an even worse situation. Uh, David, I listen every weekday, which is amazing because I never listened to anybody that much except my parents 40 years ago. I can't stop thinking about what might actually be in these vaccines. Not even things like fetal tissue, et cetera, but something else. We know they don't care about our health, uh, so we can cross that off the list immediately. We see the deaths and the side effects being ignored and swept under the rug. It can't just be about compliance. That doesn't make any sense to me. They're pushing so hard to get this stuff inside of us, but why? Is it graphene oxide? Is that really in these? Why did the, Jap uh, the Japanese findings go silent about magnetic substances in 2.6 million doses? I keep thinking the vaccine's ultimate purpose might be a 5G thing, and the deaths and the side effects that we're seeing are just collateral damage from the real payload. Just a thought. Uh, well, again, uh, I don't know. I haven't talked a great deal about the graphene oxide. I, I need to see... Uh, more proof of that. I do believe that what we are seeing in terms of uh, the increased illness and other things, I don't believe it's a variant. I believe it's the effect of the vaccines. Uh, we certainly know that heart attack issues are going sky high. Uh, they're no longer even trying to deny that. And um, so in a legitimate uh, world, 
and legitimate government, that would be enough for them to stop this and put it on hold and do an investigation. So we know that they're illegitimate. We know that this is about population control. We know this is about creating a tracking, surveillance, and control of our movement, which has always been part of their agenda. But it's also, I think, about population control. Uh, Dr. Yaden said that uh, because these protein spikes are going to be concentrating uh, in a lot of different organs to damage them, but especially in reproductive organs, and they've documented that in a lot of the cases. So that is one aspect, that kind of population control, depopulation. Uh, that's a big part of it. Uh, so they're, they're killing people. We're not even, we haven't even seen the beginning of this. Remember, we're just coming up to the one-year anniversary of this. And prior to these vaccines, uh, as I've mentioned before, the H1N1 back in uh, 2009, you had pandemics, and it took a year for that to show up in children who have a faster metabolism rate. And so the long-term effects of this, and of course, if you're having uh, myocarditis or pericarditis, these heart issues, uh, that's something that is going to always be there the rest of your life. And that's why you have these uh, athletes who are retiring, because it isn't going to get any better. And they know that. So it's only going to get worse. And I don't know exactly what the mechanisms are. I've seen a lot of things proposed with it, but uh, not things that I feel comfortable yet absolutely committing to. I think there's enough other things that we can see. In terms of the 5G thing, you know, it's kind of interesting. That, uh, there was a film that came out a few years ago, saw it with my family, absolutely hated it, called The Kingsman. And that was a big part of it. They had, uh, you know, these uh, satellite uh, kind of 5G things that they're going to activate and it was going to make people go crazy. There was a two-part bioweapon, essentially. And, um, you know, they like to do predictive programming uh, through the movies to get people accustomed to something. And especially then if you then talk about it uh, because you had found out some information, they can say, oh, you just saw this movie and you're just projecting what you saw in a movie into real life. You know, it's just a conspiracy theory. But they like to do that. They like to uh, show you what their plans are so they can then mock you and say, oh, that's, you know, you're just repeating that movie. Um, one more, and then we'll take a quick break. I normally donate via Cash App. Is there any way that you could start posting trans text of the show? And I think they mean transcripts of the show. Um, so... Um, uh, and also maybe ask David about crypto or to put his stance on crypto and text because I know that he thinks it's a big tech trap. Uh, totally reasonable position. Yeah, I'm, I'm suspicious about it, uh, about all the crypto stuff and um, my concern about it, which is why I don't put much money into that, is um, I, I'm concerned that they're going to do a cyber polygon and just shut everybody off where you can't get to it. That's another part of it. But of course you can put it on a wallet. I mean, a big part of it is um, making sure that you understand and that you protect your password. I can tell you pretty much everybody I know uh, when they first started this, they've lost at least one password and a wallet associated with it. <laughs> and I'm talking about some really experienced people. Uh, so that's a big part of it. The other part is that they could just shut down the uh, internet or they could do what they did in China and just come around with a rubber hose and say, that's it, no more mining and we're just gonna shut you down. But of course they can confiscate anything that is out there. Uh, so that in and of itself is not a reason to, um, uh, to push back against it. Uh, but um, uh, in terms of doing transcripts, as I pointed out when I was talking yesterday about the artificial intelligence uh, prosecutor, 
judge and uh, uh, an indictment thing that that all in one, you know, bureaucracy and tyranny in a box to come after dissenters in China. Uh, they came up with an AI program that they said could investigate and find these people, charge them and convict them of uh, being government dissidents. And I said, well, you know, they talk about it being 97% accurate, but, uh, you know, you look at a transcript that is 97% accurate and you get a lot of gibberish in there. And that's what we get uh, when I try to do a transcript. So that's one of the reasons why we haven't put the transcripts up. What I have been doing is um, prior to having the ads inserted on the uh, podcasts, I was putting up time codes where I would change uh, subjects within the uh, show since the show is three hours long, give people an index into that. But then all that stuff started getting shifted with the commercials being put in. And we're trying to put the commercials in time to these breaks that I have about every 20 minutes and I'm going over right now. Uh, but I try to put it out about every 20 minutes and we'll have a break with the music so it doesn't stop. If it put it in there automatically, it can go right in the middle of um, a sentence or in the middle of a word. And that's, that's kind of annoying for people. So um, we, uh, I, I used to, with a transcript, put in a time code where you could skip to it for the next thing. Now what I'm doing is I'm kind of giving a general description of what I talk about in each of the 20-minute blocks. And I hope that's enough of, a, um, uh, of an index for people to get an idea of what's being talked about. Because we only typically cut about uh, four or five topics out of the show. And there's a lot of other stuff that's in there. So I want to give you some kind of an index, but I can't do it by exact time code anymore. Uh, even though I could do that for the, um, for the video shows, uh, I'm trying to come up with something that'll be the same for the video and for the audio podcast, because I just don't have the time to do multiple, uh, time code things in there. So, um, so that's what we're doing. And we don't have, um, um, we don't have a, a transcript really that is available for us. About the only way that you can do a transcript is you pay for a human to actually do it. And that, that gets to be very expensive. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Stay with us. Listening to the David Knight Show. Next question here is uh, from Charles in Houston. He said, "I'd appreciate your input on Keith Ingram. Well, this is the Texas uh, Director of Elections, and how we can make the forensic audits in Texas meaningful." Well, I, I would just say this, and when it comes to election laws, and I don't remember if this is the guy that I confronted. Uh, let's see, when was it? It was a. Uh, 2012, after the 2012 elections. I mean, there was a lot of issues. The guy who was running elections in Texas, and I don't remember if that was Keith Ingram, but the guy who was running elections in Texas at the time was somebody who had um, quit a, a, a lucrative private, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a partner in a law firm, private law firm. 
And he left that to go take a lower-paying job uh, at the, uh, uh, the Rose Law Firm, where he wasn't a partner or anything, uh, where Hillary Clinton was. And then he was brought back, I think it was by Rick Perry, uh, to run the Texas Board of Elections. And he was telling everybody uh, to violate the Texas Constitution. They're supposed to keep a image, facsimile image, of every ballot for auditing purposes. And he was telling everybody before the election, he would tell all the different counties, destroy that. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Move on, right? Uh, not, not an issue at all. So I went to confront him about that. And, um, you know, I went into the lobby and said, hey, I'd, I'd like to, to interview him. And, you know, um, I set up an appointment. He comes down to interview me, and he sees that I've got the microphone flag that said InfoWars. And um, he's walking down the steps, and he sees that, and he goes, oh, no way. And he starts going back up. So I went over and I yelled some questions out to him, but he didn't answer. Uh, when you're running away from the truth, you know, he, he came down because he thought that I was going to be uh, somebody from mainstream media that's going to ask him the typical questions. Do you think it's going to be a big voter turnout? You know, what What do you anticipate? You know, what, what do you think the weather is going to be like, too? You know, is it going to be rainy or sunny on Election Day? Uh, that type of thing. But I was going to ask him why he was shutting down <laughs> the capability to audit these elections and why he was telling people to violate the Texas Constitution. That's why he ran away. Uh, but anyway, talking about forensic audits in Texas, let me just say, I think we need to focus, we need to stop focusing on the 2020 election, and we need to focus on real reform if we're going to do that. First of all, I think we need to focus on what is happening in our community. I'll keep saying that again. Uh, the election for sheriff, most important thing, mayor, city council, things like that. Uh, focus on building your community back up. And, and getting good people elected in local office that are going to stand up for your liberties because they can protect you from higher-up officials. If we say higher-up, they're just different levels of government. They can, as a lesser magistrate, they can protect you against abusive, tyrannical state public health officials or governors. They can protect you from the federal government. Uh, they can also make things worse. You could have a, a governor who's not bad. Uh, and or maybe you got somebody you really like in the Oval Office, but if you got somebody in the local jurisdiction that is horrific, uh, they can really make life hell. Just take a look at what's happening with uh, Cheza Boudin and a lot of these uh, district attorneys that were put in by George Soros, right? So you pay attention to those elections first of all. Secondly, when it comes to things like the presidential elections or the state level elections, understand that if we're going to have real reform, it begins with who gets on the ballot. And not only who gets on the ballot, but who gets to be in the debates. If you let them pick the candidates, you're going to wind up with Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and you're never going to have a choice. And so this uh, ballot access gridlock that the two parties have and the gridlock that they have, or the absolute control, I wouldn't call it gridlock, but the absolute lock that they have, on the, the debates. That's where it really begins. You know, and, and so if you're going to address it, address it from the beginning, because counting the votes and no matter how they skew that stuff at the very end, the real problem is even bigger than that. And that is at the, the very front end of all that. And, and the real issue is local. But again, as all of you who listen know, and this might be an old question, um, 
<laughs> but as all of you know, um, I really didn't care if Trump stayed. As a matter of fact, I was happy to see him go. And all of the stuff that was being done to try to save his behind was a misdirection and it was done to make money. And you still got people who are pushing this like Flynn and like Alex going around and doing these different dog and pony shows in various places. They are feathering their political. Flynn is using it to feather his political career. He's got a website set up. All it is is about election audits and things like that. You need to move on from this. We've got bigger problems. We have a globalist agenda. We've got transhumanism. We've got all this stuff, these vaccines that Trump created. These are the issues that need to be addressed. And if you're going to talk about elections, and we should, make sure you, start, make sure you have an open ballot and you've got open debates. Uh, that's where you really ought to start. Nobody's talking about that. All right. Um, I was curious about when it comes to the shots that considering that they contain mRNA or DNA manipulators, and with the 2013 Supreme Court ruling that they cannot patent human DNA, I was wondering if everyone who took these shots, if they're not all officially owned by Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. Well, legally, I don't think so. But, you know, these people, you know, who knows what they're telling each other. All right, they come up with all kinds of prevarications uh, to justify what they want to do to people. But it's simply... Just brute force is what they're doing to people. I don't know. Just curious. What are your thoughts on this? I, I really don't know. Uh, next one. Uh, I have no doubt that this is the abomination of desolation and the mark of the beast. Can someone receive the mark unaware? No. When the rich man woke up in hell, he asked Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead to testify to his family. But Abraham answered, no, they have Moses and the prophets. Let him hear them. So those who all their life... Make light of Jesus and the gospel are responsible for being deceived. God is able to make sure that his own have the mark on their foreheads. So for all those who do not sigh and cry for the wickedness being done, there's already a sentence pronounced. Uh, as far as Romans 13, we are to obey the rulers in obedience to God. What does that mean? That we're to take the cannibal vaccine? Never. But when it comes to going like our Savior to the cross, wrongfully condemned for being a Christian— we follow Jesus. Uh, well, I agree with that. Um, that's not so much a question. It was a statement from Michael. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I don't think that um, people are going to accidentally do something. And I think it's very important to, to the people who are pushing this that they have your consent. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, another one, uh, when we claim religious or some other exemption from the vaccine, are we accepting their authority, and are we asking for mercy? We should simply say no and make them argue why we should take it. Uh, they would lose, and there is no reason to force the vaccine. Well, if you look at my Twitter and my gab, um, back in the beginning of September, I forget the, the date exactly, but it was the first week, maybe September the 7th or something, 5th or something like that. When Biden came out and <clears throat> said, I'm going to mandate this for the people in the military and for government contractors, and I'm going to mandate it for people that uh, have, you know, companies that have 100 or more employees and for hospitals and so forth. And we talked about those four different aspects. Um, I posted, and I still have it pinned on both Twitter and Gab, and I said, let me make it clear. I don't need an exemption. You need to show me the authority that you have to try to force me to take something. And, and I really do believe that. I still believe that. And I agree with you on that. But I would also say 
that when it comes to somebody uh, losing their job uh, and, and the kind of blackmail that is involved here, I think we, um, we need to understand that um, you know, some people, if they can reason, I don't see anything uh, wrong if they're trying to uh, feed their family and, and trying to come up with a statement and trying to use what is the real law. The real law supports uh, your freedom of choice. And, and so to challenge the, that's, that's part of challenging these people, not complying and challenging their legal basis uh, for what they're doing. And so when you make the statement and you say that I have a religious exemption, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. You can lay out your sincere religious beliefs. You can remind them of the First Amendment. I've seen some people who've said, uh, well, um, that's my private religious belief, and you have no right to question that. And we have a lot of laws that prohibit discrimination based on religious beliefs. We also have uh, uh, other laws. Uh, when we look at the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, just because we don't have something that says, as Benjamin Rush had suggested, that we have medical liberty, that doesn't mean that we surrendered our medical liberty. The Ninth and Tenth Amendment make it clear. And as a matter of fact, the preamble to the Bill of Rights makes it clear that just because we didn't specifically mention something doesn't mean that you can assume you've got it. As a matter of fact, you only have the specific uh, powers <coughs> that we have specifically given you. And you may not infer or take any of these other powers. So I think when we, when we put that in, in a sense, uh, that is a challenge, uh, not so much as uh, begging for mercy. Uh, I think, you know, when you've got somebody like a nurse, for example, or any career, I mean, you've got people, uh, nurses who've been doing this for decades, they've invested a lot of time and money. It's how they're going to support their family. You've got people who are in the military. Uh, they're maybe a year or two away from uh, getting out and, and um, retiring and having all the benefits that were promised to them all these years, and that's just going to be taken away from them. Uh, I have no uh, concern about people who are trying to stand up for their legal rights and to make a case for that. So I understand what you're saying. I agree with that in theory, but I also understand there are people out there who need to uh, try whatever they can. You know, one of the things we see as Christians that as far as possible— with you try to get along with other people. And uh, so, you know, this is kind of falls into that aspect that you're trying to remind them that what they're doing is immoral, unethical, and illegal. Uh, we have also a responsibility to uh, uphold all of those things. You know, the law, morality, ethics, we should be doing what we can to uh, enlighten people and to try to uphold those things as well. This is a question from John Doe, who says, uh, Is it true that Fauci lied under oath to Rand Paul in a Senate hearing? If so, why hasn't he been fined or jailed? Well, two-word answer, James Clapper. James Clapper lied, obviously lied to everybody back in 2013. Within a month, you had the Snowden documents that showed that he was lying. He uh, lied right there in the camera, you know, bad poker face. You know, are, are you surveilling Americans? Well, uh, no, no, not, not intentionally, you know, and, and everybody knew that he had committed perjury. Why did not a single person file a perjury charge against him? The statute of limitations ran out in 2018. 
five years. Nobody in Congress even suggested doing that. Nobody did that, of course, in the Obama administration. Nobody did that in the Trump administration. You know, from 2013 to 2018, you went to the middle of the Trump administration. Over that five-year period, no Republican, no Democrat, not the Obama or the Trump administrations, none of them came after James Clapper. Why? Because that's the real government. And nobody's going to come after Fauci either because he's also the real government, which is not elected. And uh, guess what? Rand Paul will point out that he committed perjury and everything, but he's not going to be uh, pressing to have him. He said, well, I'm going to see if maybe the Department of Justice will do something. Well, of course, they're not going to do anything about that. Uh, I don't know. I would think that there was something that could be done by uh, Congress, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, nothing is uh, being done for Fauci, just like nothing was done for James Clapper, and that's the way it's going to go. Uh, this is a, a question um, regarding the mark of the beast. Um, <clears throat> Revelation 14 includes a worship element with those who take the mark. I don't envision this worship, quote-unquote, being like anything we see in a Christian church. What do you believe that worship would look like in that context? Well, uh, worship is really kind of a statement that uh, the object of your worship is worthy that you're praising and you're adoring that object. And so in that context, I guess we could say that, um, you know, when uh, uh, we get pretty close to that kind of praise and adoration, that kind of worship, when we are talking about some politicians or talking about some movie stars or rock stars or sports stars, right, uh, we can get into, um, you know, that's why they call it American Idol, right? There's an aspect of worship in that, praise and adoration that's involved in that. And, of course, our hearts are idol factories, aren't they? And so we always have to be on guard against that. People get really upset when I talk about Trump idolatry, but it's there. It's a factor. And I think there's a lot of people who are guilty of it. I mean, they're even making little golden calves of uh, Trump wearing red jockey shorts or whatever. But, uh, you know, even though there's an element of humor in it— um, I think it's uncomfortably close. Uh, second one is, uh, do you think you could use a scout picture for your background and TV graphic? That's my request. Well, we'll, we'll do that. I'd, I'd like to get scout there. Uh, finally, I'm including a screenshot of a message I got from a coworker. It's just a rumor, but it's coming from my coworker who took the first round of the jab with her boyfriend. She's the one who had an immediate anaphylactic reaction. And her boyfriend now has permanent cardiac damage. She's also the medic who had five young, healthy cardiac arrests a couple of months back. All vaxxed, three within 24 hours of their jab. I personally don't trust our regional director. It reminds me way too much of 40 chess to say one thing privately and make a mandate announcement publicly. I just don't like it and I don't trust it. Uh, so, yeah, that's, um, again, I think that, you know, these things are anecdotal and we see them in the VAERS report, but I, I think the VAERS report is way underreported. And I really do agree with the earlier uh, listener who said, uh, do you think that that's a good deal of what is happening with the, uh, the shortage of employees? I, I really do. Um, this is uh, from 
Another listener, where in the Bible do we see mentioned a precursor to the mark of the beast? Well, I think that is um, um, what she's referring to is the uh, the fact that I've said, well, I don't know if this is uh, the mark of the beast or something that is kind of moving us toward it. Uh, there isn't anything that says that there's going to be a precursor to the mark of the beast. And it's not given a great deal of detail. Now, when we talk about the beast, that's typically my understanding. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail about um, you know, Revelation, but I, I think you know the beast is, and a lot of commentators would agree, that's an indicator of the government. Now, uh, I don't think that uh, it's going to be something that is, it's going to be obvious enough that people know that they're doing it, but there's also going to be an element of deception. I mean, that is a characteristic of uh, Satan, right? Deception. And uh, so I think that it's always going to be an option there for people to essentially deceive themselves and say, well, this really isn't what this is. And I think there's also a preparation, a psychological preparation. I look at what is happening. I mean, we've got a, uh, a story here of Pentagon UFO rapid response teams are ordered up by Congress. They want to go back and reverse engineer some of the UFO stuff that they found, they say. And we've got also NASA saying we want to have some priests come in and, and work with us so they can tell people, you know, counsel people. When we have uh, connections with uh, alien life and so forth, this type of stuff is coming, and it's been gradually, we've been prepared for it over a long period of time. My entire life, we've been seeing science fiction narratives to prepare people for this. Uh, I think that's part of the deception, and, and I think there will be a lot of deception involved in all of this. And that's why I think, you know, uh, to say that this is something that is preparing people, a mindset, so it seems natural and just the next step for them. Uh, I, that seems perfectly natural to me. And, and again, um, you know, when you look at an interpretation of uh, Revelation, I've seen a lot of different ones, not just in terms of time frames and, and different events that have to happen before this and that happens. And, uh, you know, I, I really am not going to lock myself into that uh, because there's so many different opinions. People who uh, study this a great deal. People have a great respect for the authority of the Word of God. They still come up with radically different understandings of this. I've seen, in, I've seen interpretations of Revelation that would uh, say, well, you know, this is uh, a revelation of Jesus Christ, and they would break the book of Revelation into seven different sections and say this is, each of these sections is talking about uh, a, an aspect of Christ. And, of course, it can be allegorical and it can be historical at the same time, right? We see that throughout the Bible as well. Uh, real events that were also pictures of things that were happening that were going to happen in the future, things that were spiritual. So uh, there's a lot of different aspects of that. Uh, so um, uh, in this, uh, there's a lot of questions. Uh, what, do you, what do the seven heads, which are seven mountains, tell us? And I honestly, I don't have an opinion on that. Um, and I'm, I'm not going, I don't know, I'll be honest to say, I don't know. And, uh, again, I am open to, um, uh, to looking at this, but I honestly don't know. What about Christians who out of ignorance and danger, truly believing that they will help to fight a virus who get this precursor to the mark? What is their eternal destiny? 
based on God's word, anyone who has the mark will be tormented forever. Well, my understanding is that God preserves those who are his, right? He knows how to preserve those who are his, and he knows how to reserve those who are not to final judgment. Now, what does that mean? Does that take away our free will? Uh, no, I think this is something that has that fundamentally touches on the nature of God. And when we talk about the nature of God, there is a mystery there that can seem contradictory, uh, but it, it can seem paradoxical. But that's simply because we don't understand God. How do we understand that, um, you know, the Trinity? How do we understand three persons, one God? How do we understand that? Uh, how do we understand uh, our free will and God's sovereignty <clears throat> at the same time? Uh, how do we understand the dual nature of Christ, who is both God and man? These are things that we will not fully understand in this life because we can't really understand or comprehend God's nature. That's not anything that would be difficult for us to understand. Uh, so I think God will preserve those who are his, and I think he'll reserve those to judgment who are not. Uh, so um, anyway, um, <clears throat> the, um, I have one more, and then we're going to go to a break here. Uh, I was watching your show. You mentioned in it that uh, once before you showed the COVID nasal swab across a slab of meat uh, that left some residue on the meat. I never heard of that. Would you be so kind as to give me a link to the video? I'll try to find it. I, I look for it. I haven't been able to find it yet. Uh, but there's been a couple of things out. There was also another one that showed uh, a magnified tip of a Q-tip swab and then showed these swabs that they're using for the nasal uh, swabs. Uh, completely different. Why would they have to change that if it wasn't something that, uh, in my opinion, is nefarious, meant to irritate people? Um, you also have the issue that I pointed out, I thought was a big deal, the Cannes Film Festival in France. They told the people going there, they said, uh, you have to, they did a spit test. And they were complaining, this is disgusting that I have to spit in this thing to be tested. Well, that's not nearly as disgusting as a nasal swab, is it? Or as the Chinese were doing, an anal swab. I mean, th these things are are done to harm people, to humiliate people in many different ways. We'll be right back. David Knight Show. All right. I think I can get through uh, these in the next uh, half hour that we got. Have a half hour left in the show. Um, uh, David, I missed asking the question uh, for your Ask Anything show I listened to yesterday. He said, um, uh, this is from John, just to let you know, I've been listening to you since you started InfoWars. Now, since you've left and you're on your own, I do contribute a small amount to you every month because you're, in my opinion, one of the very best hosts. Well, thank you. Uh, my question is, and believe me, you are not the first person of faith that I pose this to, is if, as you often say, God is in control and watches out for those who believe in him, why does he allow the horrors that happen on this planet every day? 
I specifically refer to abortion, abduction, rape, murder of children, those with whom he has the greatest love for. Yes, there is a very long list of horrors, but I'm narrowing it down to the truly innocent. This God, who I want so deeply to exist, seems indifferent. I'm no spring chicken. I'm probably the same age as you, uh, and I'm no age spring chicken here. Uh, I've been around the block, been in and out of faith, read a lot, listened to people much smarter than myself, and have for most of my life been curious, thoughtful, and sincerely seeking. I know all the answers to all these questions are personal, perhaps multifaceted and run deep. I'm not looking for you to tell me the nature of reality. I'm just asking you, someone who has deep faith and someone whose opinion I really do value, to give me your perspective. Well, uh, let me tell you what my understanding is. Because this is one of the, the big challenges to the Christian faith, and that is the nature of evil. You know, why does this exist? Well, the, the Bible explains it, that uh, God created everything very good, right? When God uh, created the earth, he stepped back, uh, he took a day off, <laughs> and he said, uh, pronounced it very good. And um, then sin entered the world, and when sin entered the world, that uh, changed the nature of both Adam and Eve, and it changed creation. God cursed creation. Now, you stop and think about it. Well, it's just a small thing, right? He just, uh, they just ate of a fruit that they were forbidden to eat of. But by doing so, that was, as um, uh, one person put it, I'm, I'll use his phrase, so I'll use his name, R.C. Sproul put it. He said that was a cosmic rebellion against God. Uh, you know, cosmic treason is what he put it. Uh, you know, that is, uh, you know, any sin that was deliberate like that uh, is an affront to God, his nature. And uh, so that was the issue. You know, the, 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 what it was precisely was not the issue. The issue was the rebellion. And as a result, God cursed creation and cursed man. And subsequent to that, you know, it's kind of like when we talk about DNA changes, you know, um, when you make a seminal change in a small organism, uh, a developing a baby or a embryo or whatever, those changes are going to be propagated permanent and they're going to be propagated to the descendants. And the Bible's uh, presentation of that is that that is exactly what happened to all of us. And we can see that ourselves. We can see that in little kids. Little kids have a sin nature, right? Don't they? I mean, they look very sweet and innocent, but uh, they can throw a temper tantrum. They can be, um, if you're a parent, you know, uh, you've seen uh, the rebellion in any kid. Uh, if they really don't like what uh, you're telling them to do. Uh, that really is their sin nature. <clears throat> we are, <clears throat> uh, we inherit that, and uh, we reproduce that, and uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, Christ uh, came in an incarnation. And so, what the Bible tells us is that none of us are good; that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all rebelled against God in the same way. <clears throat> that Adam and Eve did. I mean, things fundamentally changed in human nature and fundamentally uh, changed in, um, in creation with that initial fall. But then we all are guilty because we all have rebelled in one way or the other. And so when we talk about people who are truly innocent. Uh, I don't see that in the Bible. 
What the Bible says is that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's not anybody who's truly innocent. And when bad things happen, uh, we look at this, if we understand the context of all this, we don't look at this and say, you know, why did bad things happen to good people? The real question is, why does God show mercy to sinners? Because we're all sinners, and we're not any of us deserving of that mercy. And that really is a question. Why does God show us mercy? Because we all deserve uh, to, uh, uh, to be destroyed, frankly. That's the, what I believe the Bible teaches. And so uh, when we look at situations, we say, look at this natural disaster. Uh, people love to say, this was an act of God. You know, they don't call it an act of God when something wonderful happens to people. It's only when there's a fire, an earthquake, or a flood, or a typhoon, or a tidal wave. That's an act of God. Well, uh, it's an act of God to preserve us. It's an act of God that uh, Christ came and died for us while we were still sinners. That's mercy. Uh, he did it uh, to, um, so that he could be both just and the justifier, so that he could show us mercy and so that he would also not violate justice because of his nature. The sin had to be punished. But by having Christ pay for that sin, essentially pay for your fine, if you will, uh, God can, as a righteous judge, be justified in dismissing it because it's been paid for. But he did it himself so that it is an act of mercy. Uh, so when we look at this, I mean, you know, the book of Job makes it clear that there are things that we don't understand that are going on. God has other purposes. We have a very limited perspective as to what's happening. Uh, the book of Job makes that very clear. Horrible things happen to Job, makes it clear that he didn't do anything to cause any of that to happen. Uh, but it also makes it clear that God essentially says, who are you to question me? And uh, if we understand really what our true nature is, and how God sees us, uh, that is why we're having things like abortion, abduction, rape, murder of children, uh, because of a fallen world. And God is in the process of redeeming that and of changing that. And even though Christ has finished his work, there is still a battle uh, that is going on. And we are a part of that. And that's, I hope that answers your question. That's what I think. I mean, we could go on with that, but... Um, uh, I've got a lot of questions, on it, and I hope that uh, I hope that covers it. Uh, if not, send me another email. I'll be happy to try to respond to it privately. I'm still relatively young in my spiritual uh, walk, writes another person, with God. I don't have a pastor to ask the tough questions, as the ones here have embraced the world. I've lived my life. I've raised my kid, enjoyed a long career, and most importantly, begun a relationship with Jesus. I didn't personally know the young man that lost his life, but it would have made a lot more sense for someone like me to have been in his place. So while I'm thankful in one sense, I'm struggling to understand why God would take a young man with so much life ahead and leave someone like me who has already experienced so much and is at peace with what comes next. Uh, what would you say about this? Well, I'd say, first of all, make it a high priority to find uh, some other Christians. Uh, you need that fellowship. Um, and um, you need to have that kind of accountability with other people. You can help each other. 
Uh, you can help them. It's not it's not going to be a one way thing. Uh, but you know, find another Christian and um, you know maybe have a Bible study with them and try to uh, you know, bounce ideas off of each other. As the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. But in terms of why uh, people die at different times, uh, this is an age old question. It's also something that was asked many times throughout the Bible. You know, you see that question asked in Psalms and Proverbs and Psalms, you know, uh, why do the wicked prosper? That type of thing. Well, the, you know, the just are punished. Uh, but you also see precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Uh, when we look at this, we understand that, um, you know, even though we may be at peace and even though we may have had a full life, we don't know what God's purposes are, just like Job didn't. And, um, you know, he was asking that question because he was suffering a great deal. Uh, we could ask that question, why am I not suffering like some of these other people? Uh, but God has his own purposes, and he'll make it clear eventually. Re remember, our purpose in life is uh, not just to come to a saving knowledge of God, but to glorify him. And so there might be something that God has planned for your life. Uh, for you to do, and perhaps the other person, uh, everything has uh, everything that God had planned for him has been finished. We don't know, and and we won't know in this life. But it's also um, the death of people that God has a relationship with is a precious thing because that is a point of reunion, and um, death is not the end for those of us who are Christians, and we look forward to that. Uh, we don't want to go through the experience of it, uh, but uh, anybody who uh, has a relationship with God is is looking forward to uh, a better world, a better life that is to come. Uh, we just don't want to go through <laughs> the, uh, the the pain and suffering of dying. You know, nobody wants to go through that. Uh, even the people who uh, have a great deal of confident expectation and hope in God don't want to go through that. So that's not an unusual thing. And um, <clears throat> so the uh, question is, we, we just don't know. Many people, for example, the martyrs, you look at the martyrs, first century martyrs, and then others who uh, over the centuries. But the ones who were there, you know, they started with that term martyr. That's a Greek term that meant witness. You had people who suffered horribly under the Roman Empire, uh, prison, uh, horrific death, uh, being tortured or eaten alive, you know, by, in, the, uh, in the games, the Roman games and so forth. But they called them martyrs. That didn't mean that they were dying for a cause. That meant that they were witnesses. And their death and their suffering was a witness, a testimony, that they truly believed what they had seen. That's one of the key things if you're doing a murder investigation. Somebody dies on, on, um, and, and they make a deathbed confession about something or an accusation against somebody on their deathbed. That has a lot of weight. And so these people who had the option, they could, uh, they could recant their faith and live, or if they stuck to it, they would uh, be killed. And so you had uh, one of these guys, I think it's Polycarp, uh, they, you know, he was an older man, and he said, um, uh, you know, God has never uh, left me, forsaken me, denied me. I cannot at this time deny him. And um, so, you know, they, their, their purpose 
And there was a purpose to their suffering, and that was to testify to the, um, the truth of what they said that they had witnessed. So we don't really know, you know what God has prepared for us uh, or why these things are happening. Uh, but we, uh, we just look forward to, uh, we, we trust him, and um, we know that he holds our future. Interesting and completely predictable, writes another person, how the Taliban are selling the complex military stuff, aircraft, vehicles, and tech to Iran, for the most part. Flow of people and vehicles seems to be over that border. A continuation of Obama policy of the back-channel help to Iran for military buildup. Remember the piles of cash, the nuclear deal, and so on? Iran then funnels much of this hardware to provide to, to proxies such as Hezbollah, uh, the Houthis, Hamas, etc. Would you agree with that analysis? Yes, I would. I I think that um, you know they they were caught uh, over and over again giving weapons not only to Iran but to uh, ISIS and and other other things like that. I had a, there was another question in here somewhere where somebody essentially asked the same thing. You know, was this incompetence or was it a false flag? Uh, was the here it is right here? Was the Afghan pullout was it done intentionally? Or was it a result of incompetence? I think there's elements of both of those things involved, frankly. Uh, I'm more inclined most of these situations to uh, blame um, not incompetence but uh, an agenda because it just seems to be too coincidental that these things are happening this way. But I, I really do believe that that is a big part of of what is happening there. <coughs> um this is a suggestion from someone. I'd like to suggest that you don't have Travis highlight articles you read from. It actually makes them harder to read due to the background. Okay, got that, Travis? <laughs> He's got thumbs up. Um, you talked about Ms. Lewinsky, uh, Walensky in the show. You said that uh, they're not going to step down, that we need to take power back. I would honestly like to know how you propose that we do that. I've been an- unable to see my eye doctor for nine months now because he mandates masks. I live in Tennessee, and Governor Lee has not mandated masks, but he's just left it to the local authorities. My doctor's brother works for the NIH, so he's following his brother's advice. Um, so, yeah, what what do you do about that? Well, again, uh, this has to do with um, um, how do we get the power back? Well, we have to start building it locally in community. I mean, there's, there's not an easy answer to this, but there are doctors out there who are real. Uh, it takes a lot of time to find it. This is one of the reasons why we need to start making friends and communities so we can network and the word can get out. There are a lot of people who have integrity and have been pushed out of the medical system, been pushed out of the hospitals. Uh, those people, uh, you know, could uh, be resources for you. And, uh, and I think that's going to be happening. I think you're going to have uh, good teachers, uh, good people in all these different professions like medical profession and other things like that that uh, are, are going to be Look, at they'll have skills that you need, and it's just a matter of us trying to find them. And that is the key thing. That's what I think we really need to focus on at this point in time. And I think to take the power back, our big power is to not comply. I'll say it again. If we all united, stand against this, refuse to comply, with we've already seen how they have backed down. We just had a report earlier in the show about the governor of New York having to back down on the vaccine mandates for the MTA. Not because, as you tried to save face and say, well, you know, they're not really uh, face-to-face contact with the public that much. So it's okay. We'll let this go. That's not it at all. 
I mean, she was still bragging about how she had 80% compliance, but as the article pointed out, that means that 20% of the people did not, and she cannot run the MTA when 20% of the people refuse to comply. And so that's where our strength is. Our strength is in community. It's in making personal relationships. It's in refusing to comply with it. That's how we take it back. They will never give us this back. Uh, we will take it back by standing up to them. And we've seen this in L.A. too, right? 28,000 students refused, their parents refused to get them the vaccine. So they changed their vaccine mandate. And now what they'll try to do is they'll try to carve out those kids away from their parents so they can get them jabbed without the parents. It's an ongoing battle. But we can stop this. I mean, even in L.A., you can stop it. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, I watch your videos, and I hear you speak of Trump like you don't support him. <laughs> I think this is an old one, maybe. I don't know, or maybe a new listener. Um, and I want to know what you think the other alternative is or was. The all, it's doing it locally, again, not being focused on uh, the um, uh, not being focused on just the uh, Oval Office. Uh, that is a dead letter. They're going to control who is on the ballot. They're going to make sure that you're going to have a choice of George W. Bush or Bill Clinton, but they're both going to give you the uh, NAFTA agreement. Or you got a choice between Romney and Obama, but they're both going to give you Obamacare or Romney care, which he had already done in Massachusetts. He'd already done Obamacare in Massachusetts with Ted Kennedy, Mitt Romney had. So they're going to give you pre-selected people. They're going to let them duke it out in the same way that they let the technocrats fight with each other. But you had venture capital firms like Incutel of the CIA. You had people from the NSA and other intelligence groups that were put on the venture capital boards. They selected the contestants, and then they let them fight it out because that gives the illusion that this thing is not planned. And it also means that the survivor is uh, stronger and more ruthless, but still somebody that they know they can control. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, he says, I support him simply because he... He's not, or at least wasn't, a politician. I know they're all in this mess one way or the other, but I wonder if you would share your thoughts. Well, I, last couple of days, I think I've covered this pretty extensively. Uh, so if you didn't see that, I think we even cut out uh, the clips um, on, uh, on Tuesday's show. Uh, a lot of clips <clears throat> of Trump uh, talking about firing Fauci. And he only cr talked about firing Fauci when Fauci criticized him. Then when Fauci stopped criticizing him and stroked his ego, he was all for Fauci. Uh, again, as uh, David Martin said, he should have said, uh, guys, arrest this little guy over here for treason. He should have been taken away in handcuffs. There's enough evidence that, uh, and Trump knew that. Uh, next question, if we conclude that what is coming is going to be even worse than the Soviet Union, then mass protests in various forms are the only way to stop it now. We should ask this. Would the Berlin Wall have just toppled over on its own without the mass peaceful protests? I don't think so. And I agree. And those peaceful protests <coughs> were regular, <coughs> excuse me, and they built over time. And eventually they had a large number of people who showed up at the wall one day after a meeting in church and singing hymns and stuff like that, as they had been doing for weeks and weeks. And they go to the wall and the soldiers who, if they had done it with one person, they probably would have shot him, but they didn't have the heart to do it 
to a massive crowd of people who are peacefully there singing songs and that type of thing. That is our strength. I mean, look at how effective it was when Gandhi did it, when Martin Luther King did it. Uh, That is our path. Uh, I really do believe that. Doing it locally, resisting, standing up against this. Um, Let's see. Next question. Thanks for all your shows. Enjoy them when I get up in the morning walking on the treadmill, driving to work. I have a question. Your thought on this new treatment, the monoclonal? I have a few friends who have gotten sick, but not COVID. And doctors are pushing this treatment. From what I can find out about the treatment, it looks like the side effects aren't very good. Anyway, I was just wondering if you've heard much about this, considering it's just appeared out of the blue for treating COVID. Uh, Well, uh, this again may be an older uh, question. Just like uh, this Paxlovid or whatever, the Pfizer drug, these things have not really been thoroughly tested. All of these things have been rushed to market. All of them are covered under the PREP Act, which means that they don't have any product liability. That also includes things like the ventilator even. It includes these things like the swabs that are breaking off parts in your nose. All these things are covered that way. Uh, So be careful about that. Uh, I know some people have raised some ethical issues about the monoclonal antibodies and how they were tested. Uh, They probably were tested with humanized mice and other things like that, not just with fetal cell lines. Uh, since they're coming out new, and they seem to be doing that on a regular basis. So again, uh, be very careful about it. It's not tested. It's not proved to be effective. I know you got people like Ron DeSantis who are pushing it very hard. He's pushing the vaccine very hard. Uh, Don't trust him. You know, cheer him when he does the right thing. And he's done a lot of right things, but he's also uh, done a lot of things that uh, cast uh, suspicion on him and on his connections. Um, so, uh, I watched your video on Odyssey entitled, this lawsuit will help you fight employer vaccine mandates. I'm wondering if this OSHA and EEOC approach also might apply to people that are not yet hired and the jab is a requirement for simply getting the job more. So I'm wondering if this would apply without a religious exemption that is simply on scientific and moral grounds. Well, I have to say, uh, Tom, that, When you look at what's happening in the military, uh, there have been a handful of medical exemptions that have been honored by the Navy, for example, but they haven't honored a single religious exemption in the Navy or in the Marines. They've just rejected all of those. And I got to say, that kind of surprised me because it is a very clearly protected. uh, There's not only the First Amendment protecting the free exercise of religion, but there's all kinds of laws that have been put in over the years. Uh, forbidding religious discrimination. And so what that tells you is that they were just in a very lawless period. You know, the, the military doesn't obey the Constitution, uh, that they're supposed to not only obey but defend. And uh, the government is, uh, at every level and every branch, is just thumbing their nose at the law and the Constitution. I thought at the very beginning that the most ironclad way to do this would be with the religious exemptions. And I've had a lot of people who have gone that route, who have written and, and uh, thanked uh, uh, one individual who did uh, a very detailed, you know, had about four or five different parts to it. Uh, he did it for his military exemption. Uh, but um, they followed that pattern, essentially, you know, looking at the, the four or five different aspects that he was talking about. Of course, put it in their own words. But um, uh, a lot of them got it. I had a nurse write, I think she was 
don't know, she was in Montana or Wyoming. And she said, uh, I know nurses who just gave up, didn't figure that they could get through with this, and they went ahead and took the jab. But she said, I've helped seven nurses to get the exemption, and I got it myself. So it kind of depends on your employer. I mean, some of these employers simply don't care. Some of the government agencies simply don't care what the law is. And, uh, of course, that also opens them up for a lawsuit. You know, if they're going to fire you for that, it's a little bit harder if you're trying to get a job. You know, they're not supposed to discriminate against you because of your religious beliefs, right? And, and so the same thing ought to apply if you're trying to get the job. Uh, but, again, it's going to come down to a lawsuit. Uh, for the most part, with a lot of these different people. Um, <clears throat> another question here. Um, I know the pharmaceutical companies are exempt from the damage that they do to people with their jabs, but couldn't they be sued for fraud? I think so. I mean, as I said, there's there's not any exemption for fraud, for murder, for things like that. And I think Pfizer knows that. That's why you had the situation that was exposed by uh, a British investigatory uh, agency, I forget which one it was, they were journalistic uh, investigators, but it was also, uh, their findings were published by Stat News, which is a trade publication of the pharmaceutical industry. And these were government uh, whistleblowers in Argentina and Brazil where they did not come to an agreement with Pfizer. They were being blackmailed by Pfizer beyond just holding them harmless for the formula that they came up with on a rushed basis. They wanted to be held harmless for any manufacturing defects. They wanted to be held harmless uh, for uh, each and everything, you know, whether it was shipped right or manufactured correctly. Uh, no matter how negligent they had acted, they wanted to be held harmless. And when we look at uh, what they were demanding, they were demanding foreign bank accounts, bank accounts outside of that country. That tells me that they know what they're doing is criminal. And they're worried because this liability that Fauci got from, you know, got Ronald Reagan to sign on to one year after he went to the NIAID. Uh, he went there in 1985. In 1986, they had the act which protected them against uh, uh, issues for childhood vaccines. Uh, if you were injured, you would go to a special master of vaccine court and they would have an arbitration process but you wouldn't be able to sue them with a jury and they would keep the awards low and make it difficult to get those. So they put that there and that was supposed to protect them from just the formulas or whatever, but not really if it's absolute fraud, crim crimes and murders. And we saw this same type of thing as those two specifically, Argentina and Brazil. And then there was a third country that put the information out there but they wouldn't say who it was because they had reached an agreement with Pfizer. We subsequently found out they did the same thing in Europe, and you had uh, members of the European Parliament that were very upset about that, said, look, we can't get any information from them. We finally sued them for this, and we got this retracted uh, document where everything is blacked out. And then here in the U.S., the FDA and, and the Department of Justice are trying to classify their test data for 75 years. So there is something that they know that they're engaged in fraud. Um, this person goes on to say they can legally poison us, but they cannot, but but not lie to us about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing. That's kind of what it uh, summary of what it is. You know, they can put out their poison, uh, but they can't commit fraud. I want to take a quick break. 
Uh, have a have a no nope we're not going to okay we're nearly into the show here all right um, so uh, let me just finish with this because I don't have much time here uh, thank you for for reminding me of the clock there this is uh, from someone I watched an episode a while back about not calling groups militia but some other term if I recall there was info or a book to guide people as well yes I've interviewed Jack Lawson multiple times he has the civil defense manual I think you'll find it civildefensemanual.com. It's a wealth of information about defending yourself and uh, many other things. And of course, uh, Matt Bracken made the same point. He said, just just call it a neighborhood defense group or whatever, but don't make it into a paramilitary thing because that just plays into the hands of the people who want to shut you down. Well, we didn't quite make it through, but we got through most of these and we'll try to get to the rest of them and another AMA. Thank you so much. And... Again, we're going to have a guest host. Uh, Guard Goldsmith is going to uh, host for us tomorrow, and I'll see you in the new year. Thank you for listening. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. thedavidnightshow.com.